hello. Hello. There we go. <laughs> smooth, perfect. Smooth, smooth as anything. Sorry, I'm so late. No, that's a, that's okay. Thanks for doing it on a different day. Traffic was a nightmare, and then um, I had a I had a dog apocalypse. So I oh, was trying to, I was trying to uh, I was trying to feed the dogs, and one of the dogs pooed on the floor. Oh. And so that's a mess, and then so I had to clean that up, and then then I let them in, and I forgot to put Boo's food out of Al's way, and Al came in and, and ate Boo's food in one gulp. So that's, <sighs> I got to say, I'm I know you like to say if you own a house, why don't you own a dog? But <laughs> I think I'm I think I'm over dogs. I'm over pet ownership. Okay. Al is okay. not. It's just you know we've had I've had. I've had dogs for a long, lot of my life. Mm-hmm. It was great when I didn't have to look after them when I was a kid. That was fantastic. Um, yeah, Misty was a great dog. Boo is a great dog. Elle is not such a great dog to have. He's a lot of work. He's a real chore. And it's not, there's not much reward <laughs> from him at the same time. So you just put a lot of, you put a lot of effort into him. And I know he's, he's a rescue, so I, I know he's got some issues that, from that. I don't know what his upbringing was like. Right. He grew up with a guy with a kid. So he's always good with the girls. He's always he's very good with other kids in the neighborhood and stuff like that. He's not like a mean dog or anything, but he's just a very needy, whiny, you know, dog who who tries to control you through through constant whining, and uh, it can be a bit much, you know. Like you feed a you feed him, and then a half an hour later he's whining again. You're just, yeah, <laughs> you come come on, you get, don't get fed all day. I was thinking of like maybe just buying a barrel and like just sort of hollowing out. Like cutting like a little notch in the top of it, and then turning it upside down with food in it, and then just like just leave it there, and he could just eat till he's till he's content. I don't know what that would would take. Maybe the whole barrel. <laughs> yeah, well, a dog will eat itself to death, so you got to be careful with that. But yeah, I mean, I thought okay, you were well, saying maybe that's such as a good plan. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought you were going to say I was going to get a barrel and put some suspenders on it and make him wear it. <laughs> So he looks like a really poor guy no, in no. like the 1930s. I should be He's wearing that. I yeah, you should. As well. Yeah, you're going like, what am I going to do? I'm a barrel wearing guy. <laughs> of course, nowadays you go like, wow, where'd you get the fancy barrel? Ooh, someone can afford a barrel. Big shot. <laughs> this guy. So part, part of the problem, though, is that because we have the chickens, Al eats the chicken poo. And then he gets sick from it. And then he has diarrhea. And so then you clean up the diarrhea. But then you let him out. And he eats a chicken poo, and it's kind of a constant cycle. Circle, circle. Of he's poop. not. He's not learning it's anything. A very, from very bad Disney movie. <laughs> the pooiest dog in the, on earth. Is that what? It's, yeah. Yeah, that's. Uh, oof. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you about. I don't know the advice I could give you about <laughs> there's that. No, there's no advice. I mean, really. Besides, get, get rid of your like, chickens. Yeah. Yeah, my advice to you was like later. It's like, okay, well, if you're done with dogs, then maybe move on to birds. But you kind of have. You're, you're, you got you got a couple of birds, so there you go. Well, but we, not those extremely long-lived <laughs> birds. You know, those yeah, uh, yeah. burn bright, burn bright, live <clears throat> live short, burn bright birds. <laughs> we have um, and we have our bird feeders, so we we have like a we have a a wide variety of of drop-ins of guest birds. Oh yeah, yeah, so that's I, very I, nice. Yeah, I can go with that, too. I can go like, yeah, we got hummingbirds that come by. We now have uh, three birds that are just assholes that are uh, three. Uh, and again, I'm being a jerk about it because, you know, uh, they attack you. Hey, um, you're feeling you're allowed to have feelings. Yeah, there's three crows 
in the neighborhood. Okay. And they've teamed up. There's crows all around right now. Of course. They're all going through, you know, the season of swooping mm-hmm. on people because they're looking after their babies and mm-hmm. we can't see where their babies are. But they're like, hey, get away from my babies. Like, I don't know where <laughs> your babies are. I don't know. I don't care about your babies. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they'll just, like, come down and just clip you. So in the morning, you just hear, ah! and they're just attacking everybody. Uh, on the corner and so we've put out bribes for them we've done the bribe thing so we've put out some peanuts sure that's that's good i always attract more of them no no this is what you do you, oh, okay you, you, you they recognize your face and so they'll recognize your face as someone who's like oh that guy's cool it's all right okay so you so you put down the peanuts yeah and then like i eat the peanuts i'm behind a screen window at this point and i'm like eh man peanuts me you huh we're cool maybe hmm uh, and there you go. Say, <laughs> so that's one piece of advice. That's that's the piece of advice Pia gives me. <clears throat> so uh, I should she, feed feed peanuts to Al. Is what you're saying, and then he'll sure, recognize sure. me. Sure, sure. Yeah, you could do, you could do that. The actual advice though that was on the news was um, uh, uh, wear a Halloween mask on the back of your head. <laughs> because yeah, they attack you from behind. Mm-hmm. So if mm-hmm. they see a face, yeah. They won't attack. Mm-hmm. Like I think you could probably do the same thing with a with a cap. If you put some eyes on it, they would probably like. Eh, yeah. I don't know about this. Yeah. But like, yeah, they suggest if you got a Halloween mask that you can wear backwards, you know, wear that, and uh, crows won't bug you. If you have like a teddy bear, just duct tape it to your head. Yeah, I, I also really like the idea of like you're probably going to be wearing you know that face mask anyway. Now you got a Halloween mask on, and you know we just just look like we live in a horrible future. <laughs> I like the idea. I do like the idea of that you, we have to like propitiate the the crow gods <laughs> by leaving out tribute to them, so they won't attack us. So. Well, and if you do, you know, really we're, do get into it with crows. They will yeah. like later on sometimes leave you uh, little gifts. Sure, you know, crow knows that you're. Uh, you know, <laughs> this guy's cool. Uh, leave you like some sure. you know, little shiny things. Sure, just just like the Greek gods. It's all. It's we've come back around to the. <laughs> Yeah, they'll, they'll three thousand years come later. By and have now. sex with you, and then you yeah, know, yeah, give birth to a demigod. Yeah, that's part crow. <laughs> That'd be nice. <laughs> yeah. Then, then you, then you name your child Doctor Jekyll. I was just going to name it Poe after you know the Raven, but you know that's fine. I know crows aren't ravens. <laughs> I understand, but but aren't they? They aren't. Yeah. It could be worse, though, because we got herons in the neighborhood as well. So if, like, a heron was attacking yeah. you, uh, you're dead. Also, eagles. We have eagles, too. So, you know, there are birds that if they turned on us, we'd screw completely. <laughs> a heron is just a freaking dinosaur. And occasionally an eagle will, like, fly by real low and you'll go, I did not realize they were that big. I did not realize that. Yeah, I know. Isn't it? We had one land in our, in our well, we had a tree that was, like, had an eagle's nest in it. In our yard at work, and and one day the the eagle landed in in the actual like in our kind of backyard, like where the trucks and stuff come in, and and it was. Let me just ask you: Did you at that moment go? The eagle has landed. You, <laughs> I missed my chance. chance. I missed. All right. Well, it may happen again, but continue. Yeah. With the story. Well, it can't happen now because that tree fell over. Uh, it, it fell over and and actually damaged the roof of our one of our outbuildings. But anyway, it um it landed in the in the yard and it. Yeah, you you are like, because you know when you see them in the sky, you have no point of reference to how close or far they are from you. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no other bird that's conveniently flying by holding a ruler, <laughs> and then you're like, ah, that oh, that eagles are Sometimes big. I do see the crows. 
Yeah. Or a seagull that's picked a fight with it. Yeah. And I go, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. There's no way you're winning this fight. Well, because the eagles are eagles are like they really are kind of like scavenger birds. Like in our you know in our in our kind of mythology modern mythology we've made them into like these sort of like um, you know noble birds or whatever. But they like they like hang around garbage dumps and they often will steal uh, stuff from other birds. So like I've actually watched an osprey and an eagle fight over a fish that the osprey caught. The osprey did all the hard work. And then the eagle came along and was like, oh, I'll have that. And it just tried to snatch it out of the... Uh, well, it did snatch it from the osprey, but then the osprey like went back and they fought over it and then the, the, the fish fell down in the water. He's probably like, I'm free! And then he got caught again by one of the other... by the osprey and he's like, ah, oh, darn! And then they're fighting for a while and I think the osprey did did carry the the uh, the day and, and and flew off with its with its fish and the eagle, I guess, had to go look for some other bird to bully it's like it was like a, being in a high school cafeteria you know sure sure yeah it's it's fish stick day yeah. <laughs> it was fish stick day and yeah. one of the bullies wanted more than his fair share well i've seen videos where uh the eagle you know the noble eagle does the does the big dive and gets the gets the fish and then the fish wiggles enough that the eagle goes ah, and like drops it <laughs> and i always think like that fish has got a story <laughs> yes, if only you could talk or was aware of what really happened to yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> it would just be just like, you know, hey, Sky, guys, Sky, what are you talking about? Uh, you don't have any point of reference. You wouldn't understand. Yeah, you wouldn't understand. Know, the things I've seen. Really you went the Sky. Right. And uh, I met God. Oh, what did God want to eat me? Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, that's, uh, what can you do about that? Wiggle. Wiggle as hard as you can. <laughs> Wiggle out of God's hands. And there you go. Yeah. Went to an yeah, airless, airless place. Horrifying, horrifyingly dry. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's probably the same situation for, uh, say, a crab that ends up at a seafood restaurant. Who's like, you know, in the ocean. And then, like, what? I'm in a truck. And then I'm like, <laughs> I'm in a restaurant. Yeah. And it's like, well, what's this? What? Oh, Okay. Let's see where this goes. Ah, nuts. That's where that goes. <laughs> That's where that goes. Well, you know. I mean, you're a crab. You're going to get eaten. Look, there's no there's no yeah. crab that's on his little deathbed, surrounded by his <laughs> crab friends. Loving They're crab all family. Claws, and just and it just goes no regrets, <laughs> and it's gone. That does not that does not occur. I leave my shell to Shelley. That's right. I'm sure you're wondering why I've asked you all here. To Shelley, that's that's who gets the shell. So everyone should have known that. Why would they even show up? Yeah, Gladys, I cheated on you. What? <laughs> With a starfish. That's nothing. That explains everything. And she fell to pieces after we broke up. Well, I kind of cut her to pieces, but she's back. She pulled herself back together. <laughs> good for her. Ah, oh, it's all good fish jokes here on my crab deathbed. <laughs> Hey, are you guys going to eat me when I'm dead? <laughs> oh, that's why you're around me. That's why, that's why you have the butter. <laughs> that's right. How did you melt it down here? <laughs> There's a magma thing over there. Hey, listen, if crabs are talking and thinking of ahead, then I can have I can have butter under the wa- underwater. Yeah. And then they, they go, we're clearly uh, far side stuff. <laughs> that's right. We've, we've clearly just approached cartoon animal level here. This is yeah. fine. It's another one with a little cowboy hat going, howdy, howdy, howdy. And it's like, it makes no sense. That callback to a completely different cartoon. <laughs> I, I missed much of the far side because it wasn't in our newspaper. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I, no, I read the far side. Yeah, it was the province uh, strips. I got the, I got the books. Uh, you know, my big thing now is like, cause someone said one of our cartoons, the mannequin on the moon cartoons 
was similar. It was a ripoff. They say it was a ripoff of a, of a far side cartoon. Oh. So now like every time we do one, we're just like, Oh, just like watch, you know, you can't remember absolutely everything. In the no. World. And there were two very different scenarios, but there was some wording in there that was similar. So it's like, ah, nuts, nuts on that. And it was someone whose work I liked who said it. And I was like, ah, nuts on that as well. <laughs> yeah. Why do you have to do that? I mean, what's the point? Although I, yeah. I did take a picture of a, of a newspaper strip from a couple of weeks ago. What day did I take this picture? I don't know. I don't know. How do you tell what day you took a picture? Uh, should, oh, I took it, it on your phone. I took it. Mo- to I took it Monday, May twenty fourth. There you go. And it's of two. It's of two penguins. Yes, sir. And one is saying, "It looks like he's, he's just wearing underwear." And he says, "I got tired of the formal look and decided to go casual." Okay. Uh, but um, it, it, there's a strip by a uh, New Yorker artist. I think his name. No, his name wasn't George Price. I can't remember his name now. B Taylor. B. Okay. I never. I don't know his first name. But he just wrote. Like, he just wrote his first initial. And in his last name Taylor, and he had one. It was a some bunch of penguins, but his is like so much more artful than this one. Like this one has you know a penguin in his underwear, and I guess he's supposed to be like a slob or whatever. But in in the B Taylor one, the penguin is dressed in like he's dressed in like like he's going to the racetrack. You know, he's got like this sporty leisure suit on with an ascot. You know, and oh okay, and he's just saying, I got so da- I got I got tired of looking so damn formal all the time. And it's just like such a perfect strip that when I saw that one, I was like, oh, I'm going to take a picture and, and, and then take a picture of the B Taylor one and <laughs> and then post it. And then I didn't because I just thought, ugh, who cares? I still can. We got a website. You can do it. <laughs> That's true. I can just do it for for us. For us, yeah. Well, well here, was, here was the one I think I probably brought, brought this up on the show before, but it's something that, you know, stuck in my cross, so it will remain stuck in my cross. Mm. Uh, the, the, the caption to both is a, is a variation on uh, one one is like if we pull this off we'll eat like kings and and uh, I think ours is if this works we'll eat like kings okay so that's the that's the caption to both so captions yes indeed very similar yeah the um the far side one it's a spider web that is uh, on a uh, children's slide and the spider web is at the bottom of the children's slide. Sure. And the spiders are talking to each other. So if a, if a child slides through there, they pull off the king. There, that's theirs. Uh, ours is two owls, and they're at Disneyland, and they're looking down at uh, Mickey Mouse mascot that is talking to a little girl. Yeah. And they're planning to you know try and eat Mickey Mouse. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the first, the, these, were, these were the same joke. And I'm like, eh, it's similar wording. But I think they're, I think they're a different enough joke. Yeah, I think they're different enough. One, one is actually, I think the far side one is creeping more into um, that cartoonist, Graham. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I knew it before you said Sorry, uh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, oh. But you yeah. know who I mean, right? Like, yeah, I'm going to look up who that is. Uh, I yeah, it's like he he his uh, famous book is is nothing sacred, and it's a big sign that says nothing, and everyone's worshiping the sign. <laughs> uh, Gay and Wilson. There you go. Thank you. Gay. Oh, I said Graham, and that's what screwed you up. Yeah, Gay and yeah. Wilson. Yeah, it just has that kind of feel to it of of that that sort of macabre, that macabre. Yeah, setup. it's a very Gay and Wilson uh, thing. But you know, Far Side will go into the Muppet style. You know, animals want to eat us uh, <laughs> uh, genre uh, quite a bit. Yeah. That's their thing. Yeah, yeah, but every, yeah, every every day, whenever we write a, uh, whenever Pia draws a cartoon, she goes through the internet and is like, uh, "Has this been done? Wow, has this been done." Especially if it's one that we really like, and we go like, "Oh, that's good. 
oh, it's probably been done. And we looked through <laughs> it. We've also got uh, two big volumes of New Yorker cartoons. Uh, and so if, okay, if okay. That, we can check those out as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, it's just like all you got to do is come up with a joke that no one's ever done before <laughs> in the history of mankind. And go. And do it every day. Every day. Go. Have at it. <laughs> yep. Easy. Yeah. But after doing, honestly, after doing the Simpsons comic book, uh, it's easier than, you know, you, you would think. Because that was the thing where you have to come up with a plot that was, like, never done on the Simpsons, which, you know, when you get into 500 episodes, it's like, oh, boy. Um, <laughs> uh, what happened to Bart? What's pissing him off? But then every page, to me, I thought had to have at least a couple of jokes. And, you know, the the, the end of the page had to pay had to be a page turner. And there had to be something like, you know, that like where you could look at the page on its own and that would be entertaining. And so it was like just so much you had to put into that damn book. Same with Futurama. So that, you know, when it's just like a joke, it's like, oh, okay. And it's also easier than doing a sketch where, you know, you have an idea that you think is funny, but then you've got to now make a three to four minute sketch out of it. And it's like, okay, once we've paid off the premise, where does this go? Whereas you can just go, just the joke. And we're out, and we're done, and we're done. You know, which is uh, which is fun to do. Yeah, making me lazy. <laughs> the best part. Yeah. The easiest thing. Yeah. Well, so lazy, I'm now a slave to crows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've noticed uh, crows aren't supposed to uh, hang around bird feeders, but we've we've had crows bothering our our birds. Bit of, bit of bird bothering going on. So well, crows are listen. Crows are jerks. They're smart enough that they become jerks. Yeah, yeah. And this is something I I think about sometimes when you know we're having all this alien discussion and the UFO discussions. It's like you know, will aliens come and try to conquer us? Yes. And will aliens come and peace and give us you know gives us here's all the cure for diseases? Yeah. And I'm thinking like if they really are that smart. Mm. Then they're probably jerks. They're not evil, <laughs> but they're just dicks. Well, I mean, they'll probably just come down here to fuck around with us, and like you know, eh. or worse. Oh, you, you, and listen, they could genocide us. I don't. <laughs> I'm not saying they, they couldn't, but I think they're smarter than that. Probably, you know. I mean, that genocide is a dumb thing to do. So you know, they're probably just like take it to the next level. Maybe th- we'll just be a reality show. Why do you think genocide or, is a dumb thing to do? Um, like if if they don't care about us, if we're if we're if we're if we're meaningless to them, why is it, it dumb? Seems, it just seems short sighted. It feels like you're getting rid of. And listen, even if you don't care about who's there, uh, you know, or, yeah. or a group or whatever, yeah. and it's hard to make jokes about genocide. But uh, it's 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 okay. Listen, I'm not asking the, you to make a joke. I'm just I'm, I'm just uh, just on the just on the pure. Yeah. I'm a robot trying to figure this stuff out. Yeah. I have no feelings, but I feel like it would not make sense to eliminate yeah. uh, this group. It would be, you know, they're a resource. They they know some stuff. Okay, well, let's let's use them in some way. Mm. It doesn't make sense to, you know, I mean, uh, you know, God damn it, this is dark. But, you know, <laughs> it's a big fucking sense. It's a dumb thing to do. It's you're like, I don't know. It feels dumb to just go and just like, hey, there's a, there's a, a bunch of people. Oh, okay, blam, kill them. Wow, now that's dumb. Don't be, don't be a dummy. There's stuff they could have told us and done, and 
th things, you know, it's just, that's bad use of, I don't want to say resources because they're humans, but you know, as a robot, that's a bad use of uh, resources. Yeah. 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 Bad job. No genocide is what I say. <laughs> I'm against it. Why am I defending my non-genocide position so, <laughs> yes. so guiltily? Yes. Uh, you, he doth protest too much, I fear. I know, because I'm, I'm going towards slavery as a better option, which is not <laughs> a good option either. That's also dumb. Well... I mean, I, that's a problem, right? Like you, you set yourself up for future problems if you mm -hmm. if you don't just get rid of the population, you know, because then you have to worry about integrating them at some point, and and you know, so I don't know. I feel like if aliens are going to take the time and trouble to go out into the universe exploring, you know, I mean, I guess there could be like it's possible that it could be completely. Done just for like the love of knowledge or the, you know, we're, we're scientists. We're just going to go out and explore the world. But, you know, that's a lot of, that's a lot of resources to put into something. And I, you could, you kind of wonder like this advanced civilization would maybe expect something out of it, not just like pouring billions of, of, and billions of whatever their space currency file. is. Yeah. Space dollars into this, into this, uh, this thing. But fortunately, here's the thing though. For, no matter what happens, we have pretty good ba basketball players, and we'll be able to like have a con you know a game against them and win, and then save the world. Well, the thing is, too, we also have cartoon characters. <laughs> That's the other thing we have. So, I mean, so and together, they are invulnerable. Together, invulnerable. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's nothing that can kill that coyote. We've established that much. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. You know, and that Daffy Duck can take like a, a, yeah. like a shotgun to the puss. Unless, unless the Roadrunner, Coyote Roadrunner series, it was just a series of of uh, alternate universes, one after another. Oh, okay, that's possible. Like I have not, I've never seen the Roadrunner take a hit. Like it's possible that he's got the most, or she. Yeah, I think. Um, I think. I think. Yeah. I, well, who knows? It's tough because, like, occasionally uh, Roadrunner will nest, mm -hmm. and it's like, hmm, maybe, maybe male, maybe female yeah. in the comic book continuity, male. But uh, I don't think we've ever really established uh, the sex of the Roadrunner. I've, but, like, I've, I've always felt female, but legs that could just snap. Yeah. Break like with the slightest hit, very thin neck. Yeah, probably snap as well. Yeah, um, yeah. We don't know if, if the Roadrunner falls off a cliff. If that's the end of the Roadrunner, the Coyote seems to assume this. Yeah, he has plans. Yeah, because everything the Coyote does to get the Roadrunner, I assume, would kill the Roadrunner. Then he could eat the Roadrunner. Mm. Otherwise, it would just be to catch the Roadrunner. Yeah, and then you know he could. Uh, I don't even know how he would kill a Roadrunner. Yeah, in the in the cartoon world, I really don't. By your theory, though, he should keep the Roadrunner alive for knowledge. Well, what he should do, I mean, realistically, yeah. what he should do is he should just, uh, like, cut off a leg and eat the leg. <laughs> that's and right. Then, a bird this good, you don't eat all at once. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. And then if it's cartoon rules yeah. and you heal like the coyote does, mm. uh, then the leg will heal and grow a new leg. And then you've just got, like, meat for forever. Yeah. Yeah, you're fine. Yeah. I I think we've solved the problem. I don't know if we yeah, did. I don't know what we did there. Maybe trying to get us for food. That's a possibility too. <laughs> it's that a cookbook. It's a cookbook. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I like. I like to think that they might be jerks, and I also just like. To you think like to that, think that? Yeah. Without if, if they're jerks, yeah. You know, they're going to get bored, and then they're going to take off. They'll do a couple of jokes on us. They'll make make some weird statues appear or something, or or, or show us our religions are a lie, and then give us something fake to worship, and then, uh, and then and then like pull that thing at the last second and go, yeah. psych, 
And I'm like, oh no! And it's like, ah, you betrayed what you love the most. Right. I guess it's a possibility, or even even worse, they could be like this giant race of like goop employees. Like they could just oh, yeah, yeah, they yeah. could just have that whole attitude, and like they just come down, and that's their their attitude to everyone. And you're just like, yeah, that could oh, very well be. This is really I awful. I just feel like there's no conquering needed. Like, look at us in cell phones. Like we'll <laughs> we'll sign up for anything as long as the tech's good. Just show us, show us something that'll upgrade our phone. Yeah, and uh, you know, and what do we have to do? Sign away our freedom? Fuck, fine. You know, that's what we do every time. Done, done, and done. Okay, yeah. great. Mm. You know, give us some, uh, give us a holodeck, and we'll be fine. <laughs> I mean, I guess there are people who who like take you know take like the the privacy risks of cell phones very seriously, and you know like cover themselves in tinfoil when they use their telephone or whatever. But it's, it's so funny with all these people who are like worried about being turned into magnets by the vaccine and, and all all these other, you know, worries about being tracked and stuff by nano nanobots and things. And then they're just walking around with their cell phones on all the time. And they're just like, like one giant, they're just like one giant trackable thing moving, (laughs) moving around. Oh, well, okay. Don't tell them how it works because for the most part, the things that someone will will say they fear yeah you will be able to say oh but you're doing this other thing that, that does that exact same thing i guess that's it's it. like you know i'm really scared that this thing will give me cancer they say well smoking a cigar and i'm like okay it'll be, it'll be that kind of thing <laughs> you know there's something they're doing in their life already yeah. that probably will do the thing that will do the thing the thing the the fun the i'm trying to convince my wife to do this but she, i don't think she's going to be game parachuting uh, no, okay. you can't do that. But for the same reason that this would be a good joke, <laughs> okay. um, is, uh, because my wife had uh, scoliosis and so got a Harrington rod, which is a metal rod that's in her spine Yeah, that corrects, corrects oh. it. Okay. So my wife is actually magnetic. So you can on her, on her back, you yeah. can put, uh, you can take a fridge magnet and stick it on her back and it'll stay there. So, so, so she's uh, not magnetic, but she can't, she, she, she can, uh, have things that are magnetic attached to her. Correct. Wow. So what I think would be in it yeah. would be to go to, uh, though you know, any metal can be magnetized. Yes. So you could. Sure, yeah, sure, sure. That's true. Um, so what I think would be interesting would be to go and when we get that, get our shots, just go, you know, some people think, and just say to someone else who's in the waiting room, some people think, you know, this makes you, you know, uh, magnetized, but uh, yeah, that's just ridiculous. Hey, is anyone got a fridge magnet around here? Yeah, you can see. They think that you could just do this and just put it on her back and have it stick there. Oh, <laughs> anyway, enjoy your shot. Bye. <laughs> but I don't think she'd be game for that. Well, yeah, maybe not. Yep. Maybe, not. but ask her all the same. Oh, oh, I have. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. Yeah, I, I have asked. Oh, okay. And, you know, she the said conversation no. changed to other subjects. So, you know. <laughs> I, I know when a road is closed. I'm not going to drive through that sign. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just go, well, I bet it'd be fine. I bet that bridge is doubt. <laughs> ah! Sounds like you're using Google Maps. I'll never get to that evil dead cabin. <laughs> Maybe that's a good thing. Yeah, it could be. I don't know. <laughs> It's weird that time travel exists in this reality. There's so many interesting things about this reality. <laughs> oh, I'm still falling. <laughs> That's a very deep hole. <laughs> How deep is this thing? Yeah, they this have a series uh, of mics catching their conversation as they as they fall to their death. Uh-huh. There's a new Evil Dead uh, video game that's coming out uh, mm. in a bit that I am uh, looking forward to. That you can play as, uh, you know, the main characters. Uh, or you yep. can play as the the... the the 
whatever the evil force. Yeah. Yeah. So you can be, be that as well. So, so that's fun. So they remade the evil dead. Uh, they did do a reboot of it. Yeah. Which is pretty good. Oh, you've seen it. Okay, yeah. Good. Yeah. It's pretty good. I mean, it's, it's much more professional than the first one. The first one wins hands down because it's, it's so, it's just so cleverly done and it's, it's such a fun romp and it's, and it's, and it is scary. It's literally a very scary film. Yep. But do you think they should remake two? Uh, well, they can't. Okay. So when you say they, I haven't seen the remake of Evil Dead. Yeah. Uh, they lost me at the lady licking the knife of the tongue. <laughs> that was like, no, I'm good. I'm fine. That is. It, yeah. No, thanks. You know what's funny? I'm always more scared of a film until I watch it. And then once I'm watching, I'm just like, oh, okay, this is all this is. I'm not scared of that. It's just, it's just, that's such a gross image to me. Yeah, it is like, gross. You know, cutting your tongue yeah. with a knife. But it's very, like, it's very dramatically effective in the movie, though. Like, it, it is gross, obviously. But it just shows, like, their otherness, you know? Like, just, mm-hmm. a, it's kind of like what I like about the thing as well. Just the otherness of the thing. You know, like, the, the bodies, the bodies it inhabits are meaningless to it as bodies. They're just, they're just mere window dressing vehicles to, like, sneak around in. But they have no, no utility as a body, you know, like, so it doesn't matter if it's a head, it can grow legs and walk around as a head with legs in it suddenly, you know, like, it doesn't matter. And I feel like that with that scene where it just kind of, it kind of ups the feeling of like, oh, this is very, this is sort of dangerous because these things aren't, they don't care about the, they don't even care about the bodies they inhabit. They're not worried about like, oh, I don't want to break this body because I need to walk around in it. No, they don't care. <laughs> They're just going to use it and, and abuse it and get it and move on, you know, so it's uh yeah, it kind of makes makes that uh, gives you a sense of the stakes, you know. Well, the, yeah. There are you now when you're saying should they reboot uh, the second film? Yeah, uh, they're doing uh, Evil Dead Rise. Uh, it should be coming out in 2022. That's okay. the plan, and that's uh, Sam Raimi is mm-hmm. doing it. Okay, uh, Bruce Campbell's a producer on it. Well, okay, not, is not starring. Yeah, it's uh, two women who are starring in it, uh, the, but it's not a sequel, I believe, to the. A 2013 movie. I see. It is uh, just its own uh, its own thing. Oh, that's kind of funny. Because that, that, that film was supposed to just be its own thing. Like closed, done, not a bunch of sequels. Just yeah, yeah. Done. yeah. done, done, done. Yeah. So isn't there a, a Bruce Campbell cameo in the credits or something? Uh, is there? Oh, I, didn't, I, don't, I don't remember now. Yeah, I think, uh, let me see. Yeah, uh, there's a post credit scene. Uh, there's an older Ash scene in Shadow Profile. He says groovy before suddenly turning his face to the camera. Oh, that's shoot. Okay, I forget that. Yeah, <laughs> silly me, silly me. And the book is the uh, nature nature naturum uh, not the uh, not the other one. Yes, the uh, what was it called? Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, oh, I can't remember it, these things. Mere but details. But you liked it, okay? You liked yeah, it. Yeah, it was fine. It was you know had this, it had some scares in it. Yeah, I'd be interested now. Here, here's one. Army of Darkness, I could see almost coming back. I could see a reboot of that craziness because I like the idea of, you know, time travel and demons. Mm-hmm. You know, it feels like there's there's stuff you could do with, with that. They yeah. Did, you yeah. know, they did some good stuff with the Ash versus Evil Dead um, uh, a TV show, though I, I kind of tuned out by the third season. <laughs> uh, I've never seen it, actually. I guess I'm the same. Yeah. Well, you but you saw the, the first episode, right? Well, I saw the first two seasons. I didn't see. Oh, the, I don't okay, think I saw yeah. the first episode of the third season. Though. No, no. I did. I did watch the final episode because uh. I was like, "Why oh, are they going to wrap this up?" And they wrapped <laughs> it up in a good way. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I was like, 
Yeah, that's good. That's all what you do. I guess I should give it. it a watch. I just found it kind of got overwhelmed by the CGI elements of the... Of the sure, sure, yeah. I didn't enjoy that so much. Yeah, still, that was one of those shows that you went, uh, oh, that was better than I uh, expected that to be. Because mm. mm-hmm. you know? mm. for so long, whenever Bruce Campbell is asked about, you know, do you want to do another Evil Dead? It's just like, no one wants to see this guy <laughs> be an Ash. And it's like, no, that's what they want to see. It's, you, you are Ash. Yeah, the more <laughs> the weaker you are, the more interesting it is. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to see, you know, uh, John Cena uh, as, as Ash. <laughs> Nothing against him. He's doing yeah. his John Cena movies. Yeah, he's fine. <laughs> he's fine. Yeah. What do you think about, like, uh, that they're doing another Indiana Jones movie? What do you think about that? Is that okay for you? Or are you just like, ah, that, that's not a thing. You shouldn't do that. <laughs> well, I mean, what made the first few films fun was, was Harrison Ford's participation in them, not just, not just acting, but, you know, doing some of the more, you know, some of the more safe stunts in, in the films. Like, you know, right. so, so you had this sense you know that's that's a makes a big difference in a film. I think in terms of excitement is when you can see the actor is actually like in some quote unquote peril. You know, so you get the sense of their peril because they are there. You know, it's not it's not a shot from behind of them or you know a quick shot as as they they're silhouetted, you know, jump through a window or whatever. Um, so I you know I I guess if he's going to be like an old man and do old man stunts, that would be okay. But I feel like. You know, it'd just be the same problem as the as the last movie, which is that people don't know how to make a movie anymore. Mm. And, and if Spielberg I should say people, doesn't. I should say studios don't know how make how to make movies if anymore. Spielberg doesn't. Yikes. That's it. I mean, if if Spielberg has lost like, you know, has, has lost his his mojo to such a degree that he's like listening to studio executives ideas of what would make a good movie, then that's a problem, you know, because what made him yeah. what made him good was that he was the mild-mannered maverick of his day you know like he wasn't like a jerk about being a maverick but he was a maverick director he kind of followed his own ideas you know he was you know he, he was lucky with jaws he worked in a kind of obscure location where the studio executives had no had no desire to travel to you know they came out once just to check on what was happening and went you know saw oh it's not a you know it's not like a a cesspool of debauchery all right good enough we're, we're going back to los angeles but other than that, you know, he just worked by himself and, you know. On his next movie, Cesspool of Debauchery. It's <laughs> his next film. Like, a good idea is a good idea, <laughs> But you look at those movies from that time. I mean, they have commercial elements to them, but they're not. They don't feel like cookie cutter movies. They're very individual. You know, like if, if those movies were cookie cutter fi- like films, there wouldn't be the long monologue by Robert Shaw about the, is it the Indianapolis or whatever? the That sequence of the film where he's talking about the sailors – yeah, you know, like that's that's just no movie would have that in it if it was just trying to be like blockbuster movie because it's a slow scene that you know kids are gonna like not be interested in. So get yeah, get rid of that stuff, right? Yeah, but the thing about that scene is it's uh, inexpensive, <laughs> right? Like it's a scene where like if you're trying to sell this to the the, the you know the producers or whatever, yeah. it's like what what happens in it? They all sit in a very enclosed location and they talk. Like, oh, that'll cost us nothing. Love it. Yeah, no, you know what? You show each other your scars for like a long-ass time. Okay, do you want us to like really work out beforehand? Get really cut so that we show our body parts. People are like, "Mm, nope. 
doughy as you can be. That's what we want to see. We want to see doughy scar. But that's it. I mean, those are kind. Of, those are very. Those are very not. Those are people's favorite scenes. Yeah, you know, it's not because they're human. Because they're human scenes. No one goes. Oh, remember when the shark flew up? What an effect! <laughs> No. <laughs> but I mean, when you say that, you know, you're forgetting the fact that I think that studio executives don't care about money if it's something they want to have in the movie. You know, like well, if, want, if you went to them well, and you said, I want to have like a scene where the people are sitting in the boat talking, they're going to be like, ah, it's so expensive to film those kind of scenes. Let's forget about it. Let's let's spend a million dollars putting in, you know, a, a computer generated shark. Well, here's what they here's what a producer wants. Or, you know, that kind of producer wants. It's they, they want to be able to go to their bosses and say, this is what I did. Yeah. And they can either do one or two things. One, yeah. they can they can show a scene that was shot that's so spectacular. They're like, huh? And I made that happen. That's great. <laughs> Fantastic. The other thing they can do is they can show a budget to their boss and just go, look how much under budget we came. Right here. Look at that. And it's like, ah, that also is good. So, you know, they just need to show something that they've done yeah. that they had an effect on. And so if they can do that, then they're fine. Because otherwise they could be replaced by anybody. They just got to show that they matter yeah. as producers, whatever it is. Yeah. Ideally, that the movie came in under budget, made a lot of money. It was very – got some good reviews, got some Oscars. Hooray, hooray, hurrah. That's fantastic. But if, if it's just one of those, that's still fine. Yeah. Sometimes that's just cutting costs. <laughs> well, that would that would not explain costs. modern movies and how much they cost, though. I mean, this is crazy. Yeah, modern movies are a little bit of a different. There's a oh, there's such a big split of, as to what movies are now. Even <laughs> it's very odd. It's yeah. It's, it's, it was weird watching like the first when you watch the first three Indiana Jones movies, and like you see the first one, it's so gritty and it's, it holds up so well. Mm-hmm. Everything's so tactile. And then by the time you get to the third one, you know, it is clear the first time you see Indiana Jones, he's getting punched in the face on a boat. And it's like, set, set, it's not set, who cares, it's set, right? Huh. It's a set. What do you do? Why is it on the set? But it is, it's a set. And it's like, okay, takes you out of it a bit. Yeah, and yeah. Like, and then it's real bantery, bantery stuff with Sean Connery, which is like, I get why you're doing this, but Okay. I didn't. I didn't really like the third one very much when I saw it. I've only seen it the one time. I saw it in the theaters when it came out, and it's. It's. it's I was disappointed. Uh, but I didn't like. It's literally fine. I didn't like the fan service of the beginning of the movie. Okay. I hate all that kind of stuff where it's like, "How did he get a whip? How? Why is he afraid of snakes? It all happened the same day. Yeah, where did he get that scar? <laughs> same time. Where did he get the hat from? Same yeah, day. It's weird that they didn't tell us why he's called Indiana. <laughs> Last scene in the movie. Uh. Uh. Well, that's all buttoned up. <laughs> Bye. And basically the weird thing is, you know, and maybe this is a gutsy move, is, you know, uh, the first one had a love story to it. Mm-hmm. The second one had a love story to it. Uh, Why do you say it like that? Because, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like the second movie. Okay. That's my least favorite movie. Um, and the third one. Even, had, even over Crystal Skull? Oh, like, no, it's my least favorite movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> I dislike that movie more than any other movie. <laughs> wow. Period. The end. B- button. There. There's the button. It's like the, end. <laughs> the worst movie uh, for me. I hate it. Huh? Um, but the third movie is a love story um, uh, between a father and a son. Mm. That's that's what it is. So they have all the same banter that he would have with the girl of just like, what are you doing? I'm trying to save our lives. <laughs> well, you're doing a bad job of it. Well, I, I tell you. <laughs> 
And you know, they do everything but like make out at the end. And it's like, you know, okay, so the love story is between the father and the son. That's kind of interesting. I guess I haven't seen that before. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a bold choice. Okay, fine. All right. You know, you wouldn't be able to sell that as a, in any other action movie, really. You'd have to have it be, a, you know, the third movie in a successful series. You couldn't pull that kind of idea in a, in a first or second film. Uh, so, yeah, good for them. Good for them. But I'm I guess for everyone who likes uh, Temple of Doom, but good for you. <laughs> it's, I, I, I mean, I, I just like this is a thrill a minute, which is what, what I like about the first film too. I do think yeah. the first film is a much better movie, though. I think mm-hmm. it's, it's that, it's that, you know, it's time, yeah. yeah, it's heads. I mean, that's a movie where a, my friend, I guess, I came out when I was in grade eight, and my friend, you know, who lived in Coquitlam and I lived in Delta, but we still would go over to each other's houses and. He, I came to his place and he's like, we got to go to this movie. I'm like, yeah. okay. So we went to see this movie and I was like, okay, we're coming back tomorrow night, right? <laughs> he's like, yeah. So we went back the next night, the very next night and watched it all over again. So yeah, really, it uh, made a big, made a big impression on me. But, you know. I did that. I did that with uh, Die Hard with my friend and I did yeah, that. Yeah, you did that because uh, you came over and you came over and convinced me to go see it with you. Yeah, was that? Yeah, okay. And then uh, with a different friend, though, I did it with um, what's its uh, Elliot Ness movie? Oh, The Untouchables. Uh, the Untouchables. Mm. Yeah. So mm. I went like, "This guy is gonna love this movie. <laughs> this is this is this guy's movie." Yeah, but Die Hard. I think I dragged a couple of different people to Die Hard. I was just like, "Look, <laughs> you got to see this movie." And then when I was uh, when I was dating, yeah, uh, in my dating. I would take uh, I would take uh, people I was interested in to see Big mm. because it was the perfect movie for just like you know what childhood innocence I guess that's yeah that's good hey you're kind of like a uh-huh. so <laughs> hoping that would work out and often yeah it was nice it was good thanks Tom Hanks Die Hard is another example of a movie where it 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 you know has the actors doing the moderate level stunts, you know, the moderate, that moderately dangerous stunts, you know, so you, so they're there doing these things and you get a sense of, of, you know, the, the action and stuff like that. It's not cutting some of those weird cutaway shots of like, you know, just their head <laughs> doing something. Yeah. I'm skiing. Look at my head. I'm skiing, you know, like, and there's, and, and to me, like one of the best scenes in that is, you know, when he's got the hose tied around him mm-hmm. and he's got to make the, to jump. Yeah. And it's that, uh, all right, you can do it. Here we go. Here we go. And it's like, that's great. And they completely eliminate that from later movies where it's just like, okay, time to jump. Yeah, oh. yeah. Like, that's dumb. Yeah, yeah. Because like, where's, where's your sense of, where's the sense of danger in this? Like, yeah, even like in the first Indiana Jones movie, the first scenes you see with him are super freaking cool. Mm-hmm. Like amazingly cool. Yeah. But then he loses his cool yeah. real fast. Like <laughs> he's, he's, he's messed up and they realize this is what we want to see. We want to see him in. Over yeah. his head. Yeah, so yeah. as a like seventy-eight year old man, you can get that guy in over his head <laughs> real fast. I guess, but I'm just hoping Mutt isn't in it. <laughs> like, well, I don't think he will because that actor is on the outs. Okay, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, he's named after a dog as well. Did you get that? Did you guys get that? He's named after a dog. Ooh. I guess he could have been called Fido. Okay, fine. <laughs> uh, not. A, it's not a. That, yeah, that's another movie that suffers from over CGIing it. A lot of impossible things happening, and and they're like clearly impossible, and so your mind is just 
your mind just stops in it stops you know being taking it in or anything it's just right like it's like that scene where they go into the temple at the end like where the crystal skulls are and then yeah. all the all those like you know the natives come come like they're they'll kind of like suddenly sort of appear out of all the, like te- the, you know whatever they just kind of like lower themselves down in some sort of magical way they're all camouflaged and now they're all there and you're just like how long were they waiting <laughs> how long were they waiting there like did they see them coming and like, oh, I got a great gag, guys. Let's all like hang in the the vines here. <laughs> it's just so weird. Like, what is? Like, I guess it's cool, but it's no, so it's very, so meaningless. That's a good comedy sketch premise. <laughs> if the film was known as much as Raiders <laughs> is, that would be a good premise for like just like how long do we have to wait? It's a good idea. <laughs> I got stuff to do. I got the kids. I'll are they fine? Are they coming yet? No, I can't. Okay. Can't even see them. What are they? All right, so just just and while we're here, guys, let's just uh, so okay. So Old Testament God exists because we've you know established that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, seems, it seems like New Testament God exists with that whole you know because the Holy Grail is real. <laughs> yes. Okay, I'm not sure what God exists because of Temple of Doom, um, but now also aliens exist. Kali, Kali exists. What's that? Is that the like Kali? What are they saying them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Kali that exists. God is real. Yeah, as well as the running parallel yeah. to Christian God. Sure. And Old Testament. First of all, Old Testament God and Christian God. Yeah, both are the same. Let's go with that. Well, uh, that's fine. don't. But well, I was just going to say, like in the Bible, there, there are concurrent gods to God in the Bible. So this is all. Okay. This all works out in Old Testament terms. So all fine. right, but does it work out with Kali being thrown into the mix? Why not? You know, it's, right. what's the difference and between Baal and Kali? It's like they even so, sort of sound the same. Bali. <laughs> All right, sure. Yeah, and then uh, and then uh, aliens are also aliens are also real. Yeah. So we're going with that. Yeah. Uh, so okay. So I guess uh, aliens are real too. Do aliens also uh, believe in Jesus? Because we've established Jesus is real because the Holy <laughs> Grail is real. So yeah. does Jesus visit other planets as well, or was that just us? How's that go? Uh, or are they visiting our planet because we're the only ones Jesus showed up on? What's going on with that? It's just weird throwing that in the mix. Well, yeah, but he it would be just like a different form of, of that sort of like incarnation. Yeah, yeah. So what does that Jesus look like? But I'm, I'm curious now if uh, the new Indiana Jones, if he if this kind of lands up in the in the world of the fairies. Yeah, what that, is the that thing? Seems, that seems unexplored. Yeah, like... Are, these, are they real? I know enough of the books probably have like covered Atlantis, but I'm just like, what the hell is left? Yeah, Atlantis would feel a little corny, but that's that's a possibility, I suppose. I mean, it's a lost city, so there's treasures, so mm-hmm. you can do that. But unfortunately, you've got Aquaman as a big movie, so we've already covered <laughs> a lot of Atlantis recently. Yeah. All right, we've got space is gone. We've got Old Testament gone. We've got New Testament gone. Okay, so what is still out there? Magic supernatural yeah. what's the time life book <laughs> we're gonna do witches 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 isn't bad witches is not bad how about kind of a mashup of indiana jones and suspiria that'd be pretty fun okay. that'd be pretty fun i'm actually i would actually enjoy that movie yeah. quite a bit if it was oh done God, well i gotta spend can, a night in a haunted house it can't be the last witch hunter or some something like that but it's uh yeah it's a, it's a tough one. It's like, you know, you're getting close to Bigfoot territory here. You know, and you actually need to start off with him trying to find something. And then he has to fight a Yeti. Like a Yeti shows up. But then yeah. fortunately with that, then yeah. it looks like we're doing Empire Strikes Back and Luke's 
in the thing with what oh, yeah, yeah. monster. So we got that problem. That's the thing. What's left? How about him? Like how about monster? him fighting the Venus space probe? Well, now you maybe think you're. That's you're a, talking about like, that's a six million dollar man. That's a six million dollar man reference. Oh, that's good. That's fine. <laughs> okay. I, it sounded sound like you got it. I guess you're. I guess you oh, weren't. Okay. I guess you weren't in the pocket of big six million dollar man like I was when I was a kid. I remember uh, Bigfoot, Mascatron, uh, Bionic Lady, Bionic Dog, Fembots. Don't forget Fembots in her thing. Okay, so here's here's what we got for uh, for the Time Life books. Okay. Left. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, Mystic places. That's your supernatural. That's, experience. that's Atlantis. That's Atlantis. That's uh, yeah. uh, traveling to the Earth's center, Great Pyramid of Giza. Have we done the pyramids? Yes, we've done the pyramids basically in the yeah. first film. Yeah. Stonehenge. You know, Stonehenge. Uh, maybe a little Paleolithic uh, fun. That I mean, it's kind of well. <laughs> sure, if you. <sighs> yeah. Okay. I feel okay. like that's kind of. I don't know. Isn't that kind of like the Grail stuff? Isn't that? Isn't that kind of dealing with that sort of uh, the English sort of English? You're not wrong. Mythology. Okay. All right. Psychic powers. That's your ESP. Psychic abilities. Kind of covered. Uh, kind of covered in uh, Crystal Skull. Yeah. Okay. UFOs for the next one. Psychic voyages. That's your out of body experiences, near death experiences. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hey, we could we could you know have a little crossing over to the other side <laughs> uh, stuff. But we we know it's we know it's there. We know it's yeah. there. So it's not. Uh, Okay, so again, and and the next one is Phantom Encounters, which is you know basically ghosts, yeah. haunted families, vanishing ghosts, yeah. uh, ghost stories from Japan. Uh, <laughs> next one, visions and prophecies. Eh, yeah, not much there. No. Uh, cryptozoology is the next one. So your ape men, your sea monsters. That's your yetis. Yeah, that's your bigfoot. Yeah, your bigfoots. Okay, so there's that. Uh, then you got mind over matter, hypnosis, poltergeist, levitation. You're a yeller. Bah. Is Gary Geller still alive? I don't know. Yeah, it probably is. I'm betting he's alive. I pr- you're probably right. Okay. So He'd be pretty uh, old now, though, because... He would be pretty old. Now i got to see if Gary Geller is still alive. Gary Geller is still alive at the age of 74. It turns out he was right, and the amazing Randy was wrong. There you go. Sorry. Doesn't that bend your spoon? It's all, it's all about survival of the fittest. Yep. <laughs> But he can't eat cereal because he's wrecked all his spoons. So he starves to death. <laughs> well, no, he just he made them into those kind that you can hold on to if you have, like, a grip problems. Mm. You know, they have they curve around, and so you can kind of hold them more easily. Yeah, you know, he's he's seven, in real, his 70s. Yeah, if you're a really good psychic, bend a fork. <laughs> why? Let's see you do that. It's harder. Yeah, that's why they didn't do it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, cosmic Connections. So that's Co- uh, what's that solar system and the zodiac. Oh, yeah. yeah I can't see. I can't see much promise in that. What if he? What if he finds the zodiac killer? Does that work for you? <laughs> yeah. Nope. Okay. Spirit summonings. So that's your seances. Uh, well, you could incorporate I, that into your into your witch plot. So yeah, you could do that. It's, they cover kind of Harry Houdini's debunking of mediums. Uh, then uh, ancient wisdom and secret sex. Oh, that's cults. Hmm. Secret societies, huh? Something there. Hauntings, yeah. eh. power of healing. Oh, that's interesting. That'd be good for an old guy. It's like someone is like one of the, the psychic surgeons. They make you young. You could do the CGI thing where they actually make him young and like tempt him and like you could be young again. All you have to do is pay this price, whatever this price is. And he's like, Nah, I want to be old and feisty. And it's like, oh, good for him. He's, he's accepted his age and he's yeah. good. That's why, that's why he still dyes his hair. 
Yeah, and then of course you see his wife, Calista Flockhart, and go, "How much younger is she than you?" And you're like, Shut up, you. Uh, search for the age is, soul. Age is just a number. Yeah, uh, looking for the soul transformations. This is humans transforming to animals, okay? Or supernatural creatures, werewolves. Uh, that's your werewolves, mm-hmm. your vampires, tricksters, feral children, uh, dreams, and dreaming. Huh? Made the world of dreaming. Eh. Could be something there. Uh, no. yeah. that, and you want Spielberg to direct it? Have you watched a movie called Ready Player One? Oh, Jesus Christ, you're right. Okay, uh, moving on. Uh, <laughs> witches and witchcraft, which you brought up already. There you are. Yeah. Uh, time travel, then oh. magical arts. Sounds like witches and witchcraft to me. Yeah. Utopian visions, uh, secrets of the alchemists, oh, yeah. uh, East, Eastern mysteries, earth energies, cosmic duality. That is the battle of good versus evil, mm-hmm. male versus female, uh, discussed in depth. It seems like they're running out of shit. Uh, <laughs> mysterious lands and people. Mm, okay. The mind and beyond. It seems like you had something with the mind. Yeah, that's just feels and, like. And much, much more. Mm. Uh, mystic quests. Search for immortality. I, I am down with that one. Even though that was the third one. Fuck it. No, that was the third one. Um, the, mystic, uh, the mystical year. The psychics. Alien encounters, facts of that, uh, and then the mysterious world, and then your master index. <laughs> so yeah, oh, that's gonna be tough. Yeah, if that's what they're choosing from, that's uh, you know. I mean, that's basically it. It's that or go through the in search of show, and I'm not doing that right now. <laughs> I ain't got that kind of time in my life. Yeah, yeah. So, so I guess this is gonna be like Indiana Jones with like a feisty young woman that will be the new. Probably. I mean, they're not going to break him up with, uh, you know, what's her name? Raven, Raven, you know, Karen Allen, Karen Allen as Raven drinking, drinking a lot. (laughs) Yeah. She had a real problem. (laughs) There's no two ways about that. (laughs) Well, she had, she was running a bar in Tibet. I mean, what what I got going for you. Yeah, and she beat a guy in a drinking contest yeah. who seemed to be a professional drinker. Yeah. And then the last thing in the movie is, oh, she gets drunk with uh, Bal- Bal- Baltok? Bal- Balak? Balak, yeah. Balak. Yeah. Uh, she gets drunk with him and, and almost screws everything up with that. And then the <laughs> final thing after everything is just like, let's get a drink. She's got, eh, you know, she's a little messed up. She, she's got uh, always thinking about the sauce. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Well, I mean, that was kind of a saucy time, though. People did like to drink more. Well, it's like, okay, fine. That's all right. I feel you're enabling her. And I think, <laughs> just, I think she deserves that. Well, I don't even know her. Marion Ravenwood is her name, by the way. It just popped into my Very head. Very good. Thank you. And Spielberg will not be directing the next Yeah, I was going to say that was when a uh, thing I read that he's not directing it. No. He's a hands-on producer. He's a hands-on. Well, that's great. That's what any director wants is uh, someone heavy breathing over their shoulder or whatever they're trying to do. Yeah, Spielberg has an idea. What? <laughs> mm. That's a good one. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, Great. Ador- adorable child in danger. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, that's good. We'll do uh, we'll do that. Oh, lots of lights. Bright, bright lights coming through the door. <laughs> Underneath the door. And then you open the door and see bright light. And then the adorable child's looking at the light. Then walks through the light. Mm. And Indiana Jones wants to stop the child. Okay, it's, we're, we're good. <laughs> Get that guy out of here. Meanwhile, short round waits by his phone. It does ring. <laughs> it does not How ring. come I didn't get back, called back for the fourth movie? 
I think you know why, right? <laughs> I think you know. We're just a little bit, hmm, I don't know. Well, yeah, it happened. It's not the worst thing in the world, but it's, I don't know if we're bringing you back. It's all fine. <laughs> it's fine. He's fine. Everything's fine. It's all fine. How dare you? <laughs> I didn't say anything. He's no, fine. I, I think he's, he's, a, he's a stunt choreographer now. He's doing good. Is he really? Yeah. Oh, good. Good for him. He was on the uh, head of the class uh, for a couple of seasons. He was good. It's hmm. fine. Now he's a stunt coordinator. He's fine. Good for him. Yeah, everything's fine. Don't worry about him. Don't think about him. <laughs> no, I'm not. He worked. Uh, he worked on the X Men as a stunt choreographer. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. The X Men as a stunt choreographer. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. At first, I the X Men. When you said that, I thought X Files for some reason. So I was thinking, no. was there a lot of stunts on the X Files? It doesn't sound like much of a job. No, but, oh, X Men. X Men. That's the. No, no, not in the slightest bit. No, it was the X Men. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Which X Men? The modern X Men or the old X Men? The old X-Men. Well, the old X-Men, which is the X-Men, yeah. You mean the X-Men, like X-Men. X-Men First Class X-Men or the X-Men, X-Men, X-Men? The film that is just called X-Men. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. So he, oh, sorry. He worked on the movie called The X-Men. That's right. I'm sorry. I thought you just meant that he worked on the, the uh, in the kind of universe of X-Men movies. He was, he no. was. He worked on, and I'll, I, I'll say this one last time. Okay. X-Men. <laughs> The movie. <laughs> Thank you. 2000. Uh, that's fine. I just, you know, I couldn't see your italics. So I didn't that's know true. I didn't know if you were referring to, like, the general group of movies, which I would call the X-Men movies. Yeah. By the way, that's what Wolverine's Claws used to be called, were his italics. His italics? Yeah, when he used to just be two claws. <laughs> Whenever he had something to say and he was trying to be sarcastic, yeah. he popped the two claws on either side of his face. <laughs> just like... It's click. Great to be here. Click. And it was before they went to snip. It was still, back then it was just click. And then they went, how about three of them? And it's like, well, they can't go click then. How about snip? I was like, I don't like snip. How about, how about snip? Love it. All right, now let's talk about this Spider-Man uh, thwack, you say? <laughs> love it. I love everything about it. There, that's, I'm, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed your onomatopoeia. Thanks. Your pay-on to onomatopoeia. I, I, I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> it's weird Toad never came back. In the X-Men movies? Yeah. Well, you, yeah, because that was, wasn't that wasn't that person sort of uh, popular because he'd been Darth Maul? Yeah, Ray Park. People like Ray Park. Yeah, but then he He's played fine. Toad and then no one liked him anymore. Well, you know, I mean, the other problem with that is that, you know, when you kill, that means you kill Toad. Like, Storm just showed up and, like, you know, shot a whole bunch of lightning into Toad and killed him. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know if he deserves that. Uh, he deserves to be killed. <laughs> kind of a dick move with a real sassy line. Just like, what happens when a Toad gets hit by lightning? I don't know, you sick bastard. What happens? Same as anything else. Hmm. Okay. Well, it's a bad read. It's an okay line. And Toad's dead? Well, that's awful. Well, he to- fell in some water. You would think, like, that'd be fine for a Toad. He's in water? Yeah, he fell into some water. Like, she electrocuted him, and then he fell in the water, like, because uh, they're all at the Statue of Liberty, yeah. right? He's not dead. Eh, you, didn't see his, you didn't see his body, though. But he never came back. Yeah, because he's gross and disgusting. He's a Toad. Ugh, who wants to see that? He's actually, yeah, that's true. He was a bit gross. <laughs> it's no fun. You want, that's a fair. That's a fair. That's you want fair fun. Point. You want fun villains, not something that's ugh. Like I'm sure that they were like, oh, it's good. We'll have Toad in it. It'll be fun. Yeah. And then they, then they're like doing the special effects and they're like, ugh. Well, I guess we, 
guess we'll have to keep, keep him in the movie because we already everyone knows Ray Parks is in it and they're looking forward to that because they you know Darth Maul and everything and but blah. So after that movie, they're just like get rid of Toad. Oh, apparently Toad you, wasn't Days of Future Past. You know what? You know what happened? He inherited Toad Hall <laughs> and went on a wild ride. <laughs> <laughs> and then ended up in hell. Yeah, that's a weird, it's a weird <laughs> ending. It's a weird ending to that. Well, by the way, you said that being electrocuted for for doing some e- some evil mischief is is unfair, but going to hell for a wild ride that also seems a little uh, a weighted, a little yeah, weighted in the wrong direction. Hell, traffic violation. <laughs> okay, first of all, <laughs> that's really really strict. And toads can go to hell. <laughs> that seems bad. Yeah, that's yeah. You know. Well, oh, you know what? Okay, here's here's who's made that happen. Yeah, you know who hates Toad, Lord of the Flies, Beelzebub hates him. So he hates him now. I thought you were talking about the book. I was trying to like make this fit fit into the world of the book, Lord of the Flies. I was like, there's a there's no one named Toad, and anyway, there's Piggy. There's there's Piggy. That's right, but not Toad. Yeah, I don't think Piggy goes to hell though. Yeah, it is a very weird ending to that ride. It's a very like, weird. I mean, it's a good time. We're all having a nice time, man. Now we're in hell. We're done. Okay. It's. We're I guess that morality tale. I guess that was it. They needed to have like they didn't want kids leaving there and going. You know what would be great? Get in a car and race around like a maniac. No, no, no. Because mm-hmm. you know what the result of that is? You go to hell. So then you're like, oh, maybe I won't do that. That's not so much fun. Who wrote this uh, ride? Jack T. Chick. Oh, this all makes more sense. Because <laughs> really, See, it's... The thing it's... was, Toad didn't accept Christ as his personal savior. <laughs> and so when he did have an accident, he went right to hell. And then uh, the devil went, ha, ha, gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Because it's a Jack T. Chick. Did, he show, did they show him the film of his life? Yeah. And, uh, and he was like, now we got to move it along because I got to show it to every other religion. <laughs> Oh, the Pope's behind you. I got to tell him what's what. Yeah, you were wrong. Ha ha. Come on. Um, I, well, I had one other thing to say. Oh, I was going to say that is it? I've never seen the the anim, like the Disney animated film uh, about Mr. Toad's Wild Ride or whatever it's called. Wasn't it Fancy Free? Is that the one? It's it's, 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 it's it's the one with uh it's no, it's not. Frame. It's a yeah. I, I don't think I think that was a thing in its on its own. It wasn't part of like a. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure. There's Melody Time and there's Fun and Fancy Free. Those are the two that I know. And the one has like Johnny Appleseed and Picos Bill and some and some other one. Maybe Paul Bunyan. Yeah. Fun and Fancy Free is that's the one with uh, Mickey and the Giant. That's got Mickey and the Giant, and then it has uh, a bear one in it. I think I I might be wrong. Well, now you got me interested in that. So Ed, sure. Edgar Bergen yeah. and, and Charlie McCarthy and Mortimer Snurd are, are, are the hosts. With uh, Jimmy Cricket is there as well, and some kids. And it has yeah, Mickey, Mickey and the Beanstalk, and oh yeah, it was uh, based on the film uh, The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Yeah, so that was like a, a combined. Uh, the, those two those two segments together were yeah. combined into one, and it, that probably wasn't like it was. It, I don't even know if that would be in an hour because Ichabod Crane isn't that long. It doesn't feel like. No, no, that was yeah. You're right. That was fairly, fairly short. Uh, huh. Yeah, it's uh, those. That's it was a film. Yeah, no, I know it was a release. It was released that yeah. way. That was at a time when I don't know if Disney was just having some money issues or what, and they they did a lot of, or maybe they just maybe during the war they were kind of busy with other things, so they they just put out like kind of package package. They packaged shorter bits together into into um into film. Yeah, it feels like a weird movie, by the way, too, in that. You know, the wind in the willows. It's a pretty gentle story, except and for then, the except for the Piper at the Gates of Dawn part of it, where he just like 
when you're reading it to your kids, you're like, why am I reading this psychedelic <laughs> weirdness to my daughter? It's crazy. But anyway. And then, uh, and then, yeah, you get this really dark story that like freaked me out as a kid. It just seems like mm, those two don't really yeah. together. Well, because like in that section of the book, in the Piper that gets it on, like Pan shows up. The god Pan shows up. Okay. In the in the in in Wind of the Willows, like no one remembers that part because it's not in the movie or anything. Like if you watch a movie version of it, there's a very good one by the company that did that did like Danger Mouse and and uh, and some other things. They they also I'm pretty sure that they were involved in. It. Anyway, they did like a, a stop motion animated version. Mm. Of Mr. Toad's Wild Ride had David Jason, who did like the voice of of Count Count is it Count Ducula? Could be. Is that was that was that a, one of those animated? It things was Count Ducula. He was a vegetarian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he did he did the voice of Count Ducula, but he he plays Toad in in the in the in the film version of mm. uh, and it's it's a very good it's a very very good movie. Uh, Ichabod and Mr. Toad was an hour and eight minutes in length. Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess in those days when you had like an A and B movie. That could be your B movie, then you'd have your A movie after that. And yeah. So you're okay with like a shorter running time. But it's weird. It's a weird bit of programming for sure. Like it's hard to imagine, you know, an hour and eight minute thing being shown mm-hmm. on the regular, on the regular. But yeah, I highly recommend if you can, and if anyone can find that uh, version of Wind in the Willows, it's, uh, it's very good. It's very okay. good. It's a uh, very, it's very touching and also very funny. All right. Very good well advice. done. Very well Good done. all the way around. All the voice work is great. I think it has like, oh, I can't remember all the the actors in it. I just remember David Jason, Mike, maybe Michael, Michael Hort. I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember his name. No, Michael Hort or whatever. I played Jacob Marley in the uh, Elsha Sim Scrooge. He's he has a voice in it, and yeah, it's just it's really good. It's really good. It's a lot of fun. Mooley and Ratty and Toad and Badger. Did you uh, did you enjoy the uh, Wind of the Willows books when you were young? Or did you just come into them uh, when you were reading them to the girls? Oh, you couldn't have read those when you were young. You can't. You can't read *Wind in the Willows* as a as a kid. It's impossible. Yeah. It's a, it's literally impossible. I tried to read it to Mary, and we did get quite a ways into it before I like just said, you know what? I'm having trouble understanding the language in this book. <laughs> I can't even imagine how you take. And we tried that same thing happened with Tom Sawyer as well. Mm. Like I just thought, well, these are you know because we were looking because Mary had kind of grown out of picture books, and so we were looking for for kind of more advanced things that were, you know, still understandable, but, you know, were entertaining to read. And I had a, I had a book that was called like 101 Stories or a Thousand Stories or whatever, and it was just a collection of short stories. Right. And that was quite good, but it was sort of hit and miss. Like some stories were very good and other stories were so-so. And then, but I tried to read Tom Sawyer and the language was just so like, um, like you know, we can, we can say like people were uneducated, uneducated in the past, but... Apparently, in vocabulary, they were very educated because their vocabulary was like a hundred times better than ours. <laughs> like it's just ama- like I can't even imagine a kid reading one of those books. Like it is just like like it's five dollar words after five dollar words. Like you, you you know, and it's okay for me to read it, but when you're reading it to a little kid, you suddenly become aware of like the fact that you've just said an entire sentence and and they didn't understand a, a thing, single thing you said. You know, <laughs> and the same with Wind in the Willows, like children's book. Like what kind of children read this book? Like. Were they all Einsteins? Doing acrostic crosswords? Oh, mama, I'm going to go read Wind in the Willows now. All right. You finished your Latin? Oh, yes, I have. You know, it's just, it's just impossible. Like, it's just crazy. Like, I just had to give up on it. I'm like, oh, one day we'll watch the movie on TV. That's, <laughs> we can understand that. This is ridiculous. And Tom Sawyer is the same. Like, it's just, it's, those are books for adults now. Like, I, you know, they're not for kids. They're for kids to watch. Like, you know, I watched the Tom Sawyer movie, uh, the Disney version when I was a kid. 
And that's mm-hmm. great, you know. But when you read the book, you're just like, this is for no, this is for no child. Forget it. <laughs> I had to, uh, when I was uh, doing, uh, like, uh, I took some speech classes. Uh, there were speech and theater classes with Trinity College yeah. of, of London. And, um, and, and so I would have to do these readings of, of various things like mm-hmm. C.S. Lewis or, you know, Shakespeare or what have you. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, Wind in the Willows was, was in pretty frequent rotation. Oh, wow. And it would, it would be a cold reading. So they'd uh, flick the pages and just go, and read this page. Okay, here we go. And I'd have to, you know, read ahead while reading out loud. Yeah, yeah. And so that's what I uh, still do when I'm reading the uh, letters on this show. <laughs> and, uh, and then, and then I'll, I'll see a word and just go, damn it. And, uh, and like, there it goes. Good luck. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I used to do that when I read, read to the girls too. I would, I would be reading, but I would be looking ahead while I was reading yeah. so that I wouldn't, wouldn't be stumbling over things that were upcoming. Yeah. It's, it's prepping for what's about to come. And mm-hmm. it's like, if you don't know what it is, double sell it. Yeah. Just sell it like, you know, uh, saludos amigos. Just say it, say it like you damn well know it. Saludos, amagos. Say it with confidence, and maybe the person who is grading you will not know how it is supposed to be pronounced. It'll be fine. There you go. Yeah, there was a there. Uh, do you know the band? Uh, tell me how you say this band's name. Spyro Gyro. Is that how you there, say it? There you go. The Dutch band. Did I say, yeah. did I say it correct? Yep. Um, uh, guess which I get. I, I think of another way of saying it. It's wrong. Uh, I said it that way uh, during a show. I don't know, like, geez, like about a, a month for about a month. Yeah. Well, someone corrected me. That would have been a <laughs> thing a director should have done. You Wait, know? Am I getting the mix up with a different band? I, I don't give a damn. I just said it wrong. I just remember for like a month. <laughs> Could be. I got it wrong. <laughs> and uh, my dumbass. How did you? How did you pronounce it? I, what the wrong way? Whatever's wrong, that's how I did it for a month. And then a band member just went. I just want to tell you, uh, that's not how you say the band's name. It's like this, and he's like, "Oh, thanks for telling me." Now it's like about a week before the show was closing. <laughs> yeah, assholes. <laughs> I, it wasn't their fault. They were good people. But really, uh, were they? Yeah, they were. The band was nice. Everyone was nice. The director, uh, yeah, uh, the director was not great. Uh, he was he was one of the many people who uh, claimed to have discovered Michael Bublé, and it was just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I discovered him. Hey, did you? How'd you discover him? Did he audition for you and sung real good? Oh, what a discovery! The gold walked into the room, and I discovered it. <laughs> uh-huh. By holding auditions, right? Yeah, I and mean, it was really good. Yeah. Uh, for you. you cast the guy who's good? Yeah. Mm. Wow, where do you get that skill set to cast the guy who's the really good singer? Good for you. you <laughs> tell everyone that story. It's a great story. <laughs> and also is a pretty good actor. Oh, good. I'm glad. It's good in those commercials. Michael Bublé. Yeah, I was please. just thinking about his uh, when he was on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, he was good on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, agreed. He was, he was nice. He's a nice fellow. Met him a couple of times. He's nice. Did that funny, uh, but, funny steakhouse sketch. Yes, uh, ham and boobly. Ham and boobly. That's right. Where, yeah. where he's where he's a hostage as well as a. Yeah. Every time I see, uh, every time I see him do the ads for the uh, bubbly, uh, yeah. where he's like changing the name to boobly. I just wanted them to swing over and see John Ham, who's just like 
nodding like you know maliciously <laughs> uh, and it's like back to him and he's just like sweating a little bit and then goes back to the commercial. <laughs> he couldn't have afforded that yeah they couldn't have afforded that but, but john ham's busy doing uh skip the dishes ads so yeah he's too busy he's, he's too, too busy. busy doing and i think just canadian ones oh really Feel like they're just Canadian. Are we? Are we the new Japan where you go I, to do commercials and people? people don't yeah, that one. That one feels like. I mean, it's funny because he also had like one about hockey and how he was like wanting to be a Canadian. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. These are just in Canada. I get it. Okay. And I appreciate you. Yeah, uh, appreciate you know, you thinking us. about us. We appreciate it. We like it. Sure. We like being mentioned. Yeah, <laughs> we do. As a country, we do like being mentioned. It's very true. Yeah, we, we like to point out when someone's Canadian. Yep. You know, uh, Jim Carrey's Canadian, right? And we also like when people like mention us. And I guess that comes from, that's a very deep part of us, you know, because there was a point in Canadian history where the Canadian government was making noises about starting up a Canadian film industry. And of course, Hollywood, we're kind of like, well, you know, you are a big market for us. So uh, that would be a bad idea. I'll tell you what, instead of you guys starting up a film industry, we'll make films that mention you. And we were like, oh, oh, you will. Well, then forget the film industry. We'll just, we'll just have movies that are set in Canada. That would be great. So that's what they did. Yeah. And we're just so happy. We just love, we love being, to be mentioned. We love being talked about. Yeah. It's adorable. Thank you. We appreciate it. <laughs> I'm just going to yeah. go let, I just have to go let L in. Sure. He's outside barking and it's raining out now. So I don't want oh. him to get cold. Just one second. On. This is this is not for nothing, but uh, oh, by the way, uh, yes. Uh, should we should we run the credits for the show? Well, I guess we could have done that when I left. <laughs> yeah, let's do that now. Okay, here we go. everyone and welcome to sneaky dragon my name is david edrick i'm ian boothby and thanks for enjoying our free show <laughs> thanks for enjoying our free show now this part costs money so yeah that's right so get out uh, your you damn wallet and enter uh, this american life Wait, <laughs> oh, damn it i was get that wrong um you know the singer uh, this is again not not for nothing but like uh you know the singer ron sexsmith sure do very good. very good he's a very good singer um have you have you ever seen his tweets no I don't know if this is a recent thing. Like, he started following me, so I was like, oh, oh there's a fellow I am. Um, and uh, he now just does dad jokes. Like, <laughs> really daddy dad jokes. Like, here be, here be, here's one from yesterday. All right. Uh, so I just made my own mosquito repellent. You, oh, did you use a recipe? Me, no, I made it from scratch. That's a typical Ron sex <laughs> uh, Here's the other one he did uh, okay. right after that. Okay. Uh, Many James Bond fans felt that Roger Moore was a nice change of Connery. Does it make a lot of sense? Nope. Sounds a bit like scenery. Yep. It's kind of okay. Yep. It's Ron Sexsmith. That's what he does now. All right. 
Good for yeah. him. Good for him. Yeah. He's given I up say, he's given I, up his I day would, job. I would advise people to follow Ron Sexsmith on Twitter if you want some just you know weird weird dad jokes. It's what's what he's doing now, but uh, I find them somewhat uh, delightful. Here we go. Uh, when it comes to understanding elephants, there's still a huge gray area. There, that's the kind of Ron Sexsmith tweet you're gonna get. <laughs> so if that's the kind of thing you like. Yeah. There you go. He is the uh, new. He is the new Bennett Kerf of of. Well, he's the new Bennett Kerf. All right, one more. You say here we go. I did uh, say that. You're right. Me, uh, I'm not feeling so well. You, should I call paramedics? Me, ah, uh, just one medic should do. <laughs> Why isn't he writing for Bazooka Joe? Mm-hmm. Bazooka Sexsmith. <laughs> huh. It feels like he got like a. Uh, he accidentally was was given like a huge supply of Christmas crackers, which he's just been opening and, and popping the jokes out of them. I feel like he might be a dad whose uh, kids just grew out of it. He's just like, <laughs> I, I can't turn it off. Someone's got to. Someone's got to take this. That's a fair. That's maybe. That's maybe it. Yeah. That's a possibility. Yeah, for it sure. Is a possibility. Uh, Dave, um, how are you? How are you set for soap opera recaps? This oh, week? sure, sure. Let me grab my notebook. All right. Those of you that are uh, unaware of what we do here on the show now, uh, for no apparent reason, <laughs> we recap a soap opera from the late 60s, early 70s yeah. called Dark Shadows. And you're like, what? And it's like, well, it sounds like, it's, it sounds like it is the counterpart to the guiding light, doesn't yeah. it? There's guiding light and then there's dark shadows. And where does that take you? To the edge of night. Huh? Um, uh, but it's really a vampire-based uh, uh, soap opera, and they're worried that he's going to eat all my children, and then they'll have to take them to the general hospital. Uh, what am I, Ron Sexsmith? <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> Stop I was, it! I was wondering. <laughs> Stop it! What's going on here? What, what, is, what is going oh, on here? <laughs> oh, I've well. been indoors for 15 months. <laughs> By the way, everybody, uh, we're going to be doing a show together, me and Dave. Yeah. So this uh, tinny nonsense, echoey nonsense, I will no longer be doing... Uh, oh, no, I, I'm going to make you so you keep sounding like this. Oh, I hope so. Thank you. So I'll ne- <laughs> I will no longer be Tim Robbins from inside the shit tube in uh, Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> Hello. Uh, but uh, for our 500th episode, yeah, uh, uh, we're going to be doing that. We're going to be do- uh, actually seeing each other in person. I don't know if we're going to be outside, we'll be inside, it'll be somewhere, yeah. uh, but we're going to be in person. That's cool. our guarantee to you. <laughs> uh, and uh, I, our friend and third dragon, Nina Matsumoto, uh, was visiting uh, me on my birthday. Very nice. Uh, very nice. Uh, she she promised there would be a present. Uh, there, there wasn't. Uh, but she <laughs> said, it'll come Saturday. So tick, tick, tick. We'll see. <laughs> um, but uh, she's very excited about uh, us returning face to face. Oh, really? Really work out our issues. <laughs> finally, finally, all this yeah, passive aggressive nonsense. In there, we'll really talk it through. Sure, let's we'll get Doctor. Hug the shame bear. Let's get Doctor Drew in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, he really gets shit done. <laughs> he listens to your voice and goes, "Hey, you were molested because you sound like a high voiced person." I was like, yeah, that's what people like. They like to be told. <laughs> <laughs> they like to have guess. They like guesswork. That's what they want from their therapist. Yeah, they the like therapist. someone just going, hey, you were molested. What are you, what are you doing, a cold reading? <laughs> Molestation cold readings? Who wants that? Fuck <laughs> off. Uh, but, you know, he's better than uh, Dr. Oz and other 
such doctors. Um, but David, back to the vampire world of soap operas. Yeah, yeah. Where did we leave off? Where did we leave off? Well, if you remember, uh, mm. Joe, poor old Joe, Maggie's Maggie's one-time boyfriend, uh, became Angelique's blood slave, and so. <laughs> Have you ever been a blood slave? I've not been a blood slave, and you know what? Mm. It sounds. You know what? If you are tired of responsibility in your life, it's a perfect job, mm. you know, because really you you aren't doing anything of your own volition. You're just other people are telling you what to do, or another person's telling you what to do. So if someone gets mad at you, you can just go, "Sorry, blood slave." Yeah, what, like, what can uh, I do? I am hands are tied, literally. The old blood slave defense. <laughs> <laughs> so, but he, you know. Is rejected by Angelique because you know she's now she's got Barnabas and so you know her lifelong ambition to to have Barnabas is coming true and so so she's like eh you're no good get away from me Joe and so he stabs himself with a letter opener and falls to the floor is he dead I don't I don't know it's uh, he's got a letter opener sticking out of him quite a ways sticking out of him it's a big letter opener looks like he has a TV antenna stuck in his gut excuse me <clears throat> all right. Oh, that didn't help anything. Just moved, <laughs> moved it up, moved it up in my throat. Water. Well, when I ran out to to um to get Albert, I I knocked my my coke over. Oh no! And it was a real real fizzy mess. Oh no, it's fine. I thought it was going to overflow. You're having a real spilly shit on the floor day. <laughs> Thank you. And it's all Albert related. Mm-hmm. Out of the butts of dogs. Um. So this is episode six hundred and eight. Just so people know where where we are in this whole this whole mess. Uh, so, Joe is lying on the floor. Angelique calls to Barnabas for help. She commands Barnabas to dispose of the dying Joe in the woods. He's just like, get rid of him. I don't want him. And Barnabas is like, this will happen to me one day too. You won't want me and you'll just have someone dispose of me. And she's like, eh, maybe. I don't know. So Barnabas takes Joe, but he disobeys Angelique. And she takes Joe to Julia for help. And uh, we get a little bit of daytime sexiness when julia cuts open joe's turtleneck sweater like with a pair of scissors just cuts it and it's kind of funny because she's like cutting it like towards his neck he's cutting like the thick part of the turtleneck and you can see the actor's kind of like he's like you know he's like kind of moving around a little bit like oh i'm sick also i'm trying to avoid these scissors killing me so <laughs> <laughs> oh anyway so she, she cuts open his sweater so it reveals a little bit of uh a bit of handsome man chest. So that's ah. the show is taking a turn. Because before this point, uh, a lot of, you know, guys in ties, like shirt shirt dresses and ties, or dress shirts and ties. And now we're getting some uh, sweat, sweat, the like, turtleneck sweaters, which is not much better, but, but they're being cut open. So that's something. But when she does this, Julia discovers Joe's neck wounds. And of course, Barnabas is, is concerned because Barnabas is also the blood slave of Angelique. So he can't say, oh yeah, that's Angelique. He can't say that because he is under her control. So he's all like, I think you're wrong. Those look like raccoon bites. <laughs> they mistake Joe's calls for Angelique as calls for Maggie. Well, at least Julia does. I'm sure I'm sure Barnabas knows what the score is, but he's going to go along go along with her. She's, he's calling for Maggie. Yeah, that's that's right, Maggie. Uh, so they bring Maggie to Joe, but he just rejects her. Like He just says, you know, I don't want you. Get away from me. And so she leaves a little upset. Julia suspects the vampire is a woman. I don't know why she suspects it, but that's what she thinks. She says she feels it in her bones. And uh, Barnabas, of course, prevaricates because what Barnabas does is kind of lies and makes a lot of foomfering noises. And he's trying to, like, mislead Julia. 
But while Barnabas is bent over Joe trying to help him with something, Joe suspects something, I guess, and pulls at Barnabas's shirt collar and sees his Barnabas's neck wounds. Oh. And, and he knows who has replaced him in Angelique's affections. And so he tells Barnabas that he's going to kill him. Meanwhile, Adam instructs Harry to deliver a letter to Carolyn. Why does he do this? It's for no real purpose. It just creates a scene where where uh, Eve comes in and she's all like, what's that? And Harry's like, oh, nothing. And he puts it in his pocket. And she's like, what, where, you know, where are you going with that? He's like, oh, nowhere. And then he leaves. Harry, of course, is, um, is Mrs. Johnson's near-do-well son, the ex-con who showed up a while ago and hasn't had much to do besides act as an inter- intermediary between uh, Adam and other people. So, and I guess it's now working for Blair, right? He kind of got under Blair's uh, control, so he's also working for Blair. Adam and Eve have a odd conversation about the about seasons, and Adam's confused because Eve knows what seasons are, mm. and he's like, "But you were, you were like me. You were just made like a short time ago. How you haven't even experienced the season before? How do you know it?" And she's like, "I don't know. I just feel like I know like what." the fall is or whatever because that's a conversation they're like what why is it called the fall because leaves fall that's a dumb reason to call a season that name <laughs> uh but eve is tired of being cooped up in blair's house and she, you know she's like a rebel spirit she's like you sniveling worm to adam you know you're <laughs> you're happy hanging around this house being all cooped up like a prisoner of other people i want to be free i want to do things and uh you know she, i want to dance and then and then Adam picks up a guitar and starts playing it. No, I was just thinking of the stateroom scene or the little scene in uh, Monkey Business with Groucho. And uh... anyway, Adam wants Eve. To... By the way, we talk about that in uh, on our podcast. Full marks. That's right. Uh, every every uh, every marks for this movie. So if you want to hear what the heck we're talking about, yeah, that's right. Check out the Monkey Business episode. <laughs> Unlike this podcast, Dumb Darks. Um, <laughs> Adam wants Eve to visit Collinwood, and Eve scoffs at the idea. Why do I want to go there? Blah. Back at Collinwood, Jeff is waiting for Vicky. He's outside. You know, Carolyn, uh, of course, has got the letter from Adam. And so she's outside waiting for Adam to come. And she's like, why are you hanging around here? And he's like, I'm waiting for Vicky. I should know by now to come an hour late so that I'm on time. <laughs> That's what he really said. <laughs> then Carolyn leaves because she realizes that, you know, nothing's going to happen with, with uh, Jeff standing outside. But then... Jeff sees David sneaking through the garden gate. And then they have a conversation because David is angry that Jeff is taking Vicky away because they're getting married and, you know, Vicky's going to go away with him. And and that leaves Adam alone in this world because Adam has no friends except a ghost girl who we don't see anymore. Hmm. So um, so then um, Adam arrives with Eve to meet Carolyn and they meet in, in Adam's old haunts in the west wing of the abandoned west wing of Collinwood. And Eve is like, Super silly. She's like looking around. She's like, you lived here for months? Blah. What a dump. And uh, and Adam's like, but Carolyn was very kind to me. She brought me food and, you know, and came and played cards with me. She brought you food? What are you, an animal? <laughs> she's, she's great. Eve's the best. I love Eve. She's so much fun. She's, okay. she's just like a, she's like a super jerk. But then Eve spies Jeff Clark from the window and she seems very interested in him. And she's staring down. And meanwhile... After Jeff kind of, he kind of calms David down, explains, you know, like, we're not, we're not really going away. We'll still be around, you know, and you will always be welcome to come and see us wherever we are, you know, and, and then he kind of tries, buys him off by telling, saying that he'll be the ring bearer or something at the, at the uh, wedding. Uh, 
And so then David leaves, and so Jess waiting by himself. And Eve approaches him and says, Peter, Peter Bradford, the name he had when he was back in 1795. And of course, he gets all mad. He's like, my name isn't Peter. My name is Jeff. He gets this weird kind of strident tone to his voice. Not much of an actor, let me just say that. Although, here's something I didn't know before, but he was married to Jacqueline Smith. Oh, okay. But they were divorced before. She, they, they divorced, and then a year later, she was cast in Charlie's Angels. Um, nice. But this, at this time, they were married. But um, So, Jeff slash Peter does not remember her, but she says she knew him in the past. And he finds that very disturbing, of course, because he does not like this idea that he is a person from the past. That's like a ghost, almost. Meanwhile, in the house, Vicky is telling Elizabeth that she and Jeff are to be married. And uh, Liz is like, well, at least to take my mind off the fact that I'm going to die. <laughs> Basically, our conversation all the time. It's very sarcastic. No, it's not being sarcastic. She just thinks that she's going to die. So, you know, this okay. will at least, at least take her mind off it. That I'm going to be buried alive. <laughs> then uh, Liz goes outside and she finds Eve on the back patio and mistakes her for the angel of death. And she's like, I know you've come to take me away. I know you've come to collect me. And then he was like, who is this nut? And she just, she just leaves. Um, then Eve and Blair have a long conversation because Blair, of course, is very concerned that Eve is not playing along with his plans. You know, I didn't, I didn't bring you in this world to have your own will. I want you to follow my, my plans. So um, first she asks, she demands to know who she was in the past. And Blair uh, you know, is surprised to hear about Jeff slash Peter. And he says something like, he kind of mutters something about there being forces at work that even he didn't know about. So I don't know what that means, but there are forces at work that even he didn't know about, apparently. Blair then hypnotizes Eve and she has, she kind of goes back in her memory. So she, we're just seeing her memory. Peter is angry at Eve because she killed Philippe. If you remember a little while ago, we, we dealt with very sh- briefly with this ghost called Philippe Cordier who uh, tried to kill Barnabas, or kill kill Adam, no, kill Bar- one of the, he tried to kill Adam, and then of course that was killing Barnabas, and then Nicholas Blair was just like, oh, go away, spirit, and that was the end of that, Philip Cordier. It wasn't much of a dramatic thing. But uh, Peter's angry at Eve for killing Philippe, and he threatens Eve with, with uh, you know, turning her in, but she just says she loves him. You know, that's why Aww. she killed this guy, because she's madly in love with him. And we come back into the present time, and Eve tells Blair that she will never love Adam, and she wants to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> so then Blair discusses plans to leave Collinsport. Um, he wants Adam, him, Adam, Eve, and Maggie, who he's madly in love with, to go to go on the lamb to leave Collinsport. Then Jeff is sitting at home, sitting on his bed, and for some reason he's pretending to smoke. So he's got like an unlit cigarette in his hand and he's like puffing away on it. And then he, then he puts it down. Is that you or me? Uh, I'm not dinging, I don't think. Okay. Something. I think you're dinging. Okay. I thought I turned off my thingies, but I guess not. Um, yeah, so he's pretty, he's got this like, he's got a cigarette in his hand, but he's just like puffing on it, but it's not, not lit. And then Eve ah. arrives. Eve arrives. And Jeff wants nothing to do with her. And he basically kicks her out. And she ridicules the idea of him even being married. Oh. Because he he loves her. He should love her, she thinks, anyway. Then Blair visits Maggie, and he proposes to her. But she says no, because she's worried about Joe. So then Blair's like, I've got to get rid of this Joe fella. He's the problem. So he gives some poison to Harry with the instructions to kill Joe. And Harry's like, 
Oh, oh, I can't kill someone. And he's like, you'll do it, Harry. Okay. Put up a real fight. And then, uh, so he's, he goes to, he has to go kill Joe. So I guess the idea is that he's going to put the poison in Joe's medicine. And so when Joe is given his medicine, he will die. Um, so Barnabas is instructed by Julia to watch over Joe. She says, you know, you have to make sure he's okay, blah, blah, blah. But he is drawn away from his responsibilities by Angelique. Angelique calls to him to come out into the woods to play. And so he leaves the house. And at that, and so Harry has sort of been watching it and he sees Barnabas leave. And he's like, just like Nicholas Blair told me. And so then he sneaks into the, into the house and up to Joe's room and he adds the poison to Joe's medicine. Meanwhile, Angelique wants Barnabas to kill Joe. And uh, he's like, I'm not going to kill anyone for you. And then she bites him and he goes, ah, every time. You can't, you can't bite Barnabas without him going, ah. It's a real bit of acting. Acting. So then, uh, he's, so I guess he is knocked out by this bite. And so Harry finds Barnabas lying unconscious in the woods. And he brings him back to Collinswood. Uh, but Barnabas won't allow Mrs. Johnson to call the doctor. Because, you know, he's a vampire. Or on the road to be a vampire. And he cannot reveal his neck wounds. So Barnabas returns to the old house where he lamely lies to Julia. And she's all like, where were you? And he's like, oh, you know, I thought I heard some dogs outside, so I went outside to investigate. <laughs> and so uh, Barnabas, but then after, you know, finishing up with Julia, he sneaks into Joe's room where, against Julia's specific instructions, he attempts to give Joe the poisonous medicine. But before he can do so, he is interrupted by Julia, who takes away the medicine. Later, Julia returns. She tells Barnabas that it turns out the medicine was poison. And she suspects Barnabas of wanting to give it to him, but she doesn't know why he would do that. Of course, she doesn't know yet that he is, uh, up, you know, under Angelique's control. But Joe hears the conversation, so he knows that uh, Barnabas wanted to kill him. So, you know, quid quo pro. Maggie returns, and once again, Joe spurns her, but tells her that Barnabas is trying to kill him. And of course, she's like, oh, he's going crazy. Then Julia returns to... Uh, Collinswood, where Mrs. Johnson tells her about Harry finding Barnabas, and she's like, what? He didn't tell me about this? And that makes her even more suspicious, because she's very suspicious of his behavior. He's he's being very... He's being this typical self. He's a liar and, and you know, fraudster, but, you know, she prefers when he's doing it with her, you know, not just by himself. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's the way it is. Yeah, of course. So, uh, Joe manages to get out of bed, and he takes a rope, used to tie the curtains back, although... Amusingly, the week before, they were just sash, like fabric, not ropes. But now they're ropes because we need ropes. We need him to have a weapon. So he goes downstairs where Barnabas is sleeping in an armchair. And Joe begins to strangle him from behind. Which at this very moment, Mrs. Johnson arrives. And she starts yelling at Joe, who did the strangling Barnabas. By the way, strangling. The most common cause of death in, in, Colin, in Collinsport. Uh, but Mrs. J kind of stops. Joe from doing, I don't know how she stops him because he doesn't, she doesn't physically stop him and he could just keep doing it, but somehow her yelling and screaming makes him run away. And then we cut back to Roger and Liz who are discussing her strange obsession with her death. And he suggests that they go to Eagle Hill Cemetery to examine the family mausoleum because the truth is he doesn't want, he doesn't want Liz having this giant new mausoleum, escape mausoleum built because, um, it, he finds it, you know, shameful that <laughs> she's going through this, pro having these problems. So he says, I don't want to have a sister who's mentally ill. This is in the, the days when it was, you know, it was a bad thing. 
Is it still bad? It's probably still bad to be mentally ill, but you know, we have tried to understand it better. Mm-hmm. In those days, it was just like, can I mock you till you aren't? Um, and also, in this world, there's vampires too. So there's a lot of bad stuff. There's going a, on. Well, vampires, witches. Yeah. Satanic so if someone, if someone says, like, I saw a witch, like in our, like, a, or a vampire, in our world, we go, like, well, they're clearly mentally ill. <laughs> and it's like, in there, it's like, you know what? They were spot on. Spot on? That's right. You'll yeah, feel that in the truth. Yeah. Why, why aren't you more mentally ill knowing that there's, you know, witches? And I don't mean the Wiccan type. Yeah, yeah. I mean the <laughs> eat your yeah. baby type. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's that's the kind of witches we're dealing with here. Not not your yeah, not your nature loving yeah, not your nature loving candle making right. witches. These are these are like bad witches with have yes, cauldrons. Yeah, scarecrow on fire. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And have flying monkeys. This is okay. Here's the problem. Uh, when you got uh, you know, it, it, I got no problem with witches in fiction uh, as long as don't bring up the Salem witch trials. Just don't bring them up. Do not bring them up. Why? Because if you if you if you are in a world where witches are real yeah. and evil. Yeah, and then you go, and they, yeah, the Salem witch trials, huh? It's like, yeah, they were right. <laughs> Those guys were right, absolutely dead on right. I owe them an apology. Sorry, you were correct. Well, they made it. They were been... evil witches, and you were trying to protect us from them. But of course, they weren't, and they were horrible people, and they deserve your scorn. Except in a world where, yeah. say, it's Sabrina, the New Adventures of Sabrina, yeah. where there are all powerful witches that worship the devil that yeah. are trying to raise hell on earth. Good call, Salem. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of odd, isn't it? Yes, it is. Just don't bring that up. Don't bring it up. Yeah. Then we're fine. So, um, so yeah, Barnabas sends Mrs. Mrs. J away because uh, he doesn't want the he doesn't want the police coming. He doesn't want you know ambulance. He doesn't want any of this stuff, right? Because he's he's part part way to becoming a vampire, so he doesn't want any of this interruptions. Roger and Liz, meanwhile, are at the cemetery. They go to the mausoleum where they discover Joe is hiding, and they bring him back to Collinwood, where he confesses to trying to kill Barnabas. So Roger does the first sensible thing I've ever seen a person do on the show, which is he phones the police. Unfortunately, he calls the Collinsport police, which is pretty much the same as throwing the phone out the window. The sheriff arrives and questions Julia, and so basically, the sheriff is there, so we can recap what happened last episode. So what happened? Yeah. Uh, she admits the poison was Oh, sorry. She admits the medicine was poisoned. Not that the poison was medicined, but the other way around. Uh, then uh, Barnabas acts in Angelique's interests, much to Julia's confusion. So he keeps, you know, he keeps kind of like changing the, t- you know, trying to like, well, maybe it was this, maybe it was that. Oh, I don't think it was a vampire. I think you got the wrong end of the stick on this one. And then Barnabas is questioned by the sheriff. And in the middle of their conversation, he is summoned by Angelique. But he, he attempts to reject Angelique, but... But after the sheriff leaves, she appears in his room. This is good old chroma key effects where she initially just appears uh, as a, you know, a chroma key figure. So she's standing somewhere else in the, in the studio and just sort of appears in front of him. And then they, they do a cutaway. So then, then she's in the room suddenly. She's physically there. <gasps> and uh, she, um, what does she do? Oh, she appears in his room and she bites him. That's what she does. Oh, and guess what? Ah! <laughs> and they go, ah! you know, this is the first time he doesn't do that. It was oh. weird. I was like, I actually made a note. Didn't go ag. <laughs> uh, but then Julia comes in and finds him disoriented and confused in his armchair. And she looks, she pulls back his collar and sees the bite marks. So now she knows there's a vampire. Julia shows the, ma- the marks to Willie and they decide they have to lock 
Barnabas up in the basement for his own good. And so Barnabas, of course, attempts to convince them to let him out, you know, all those sort of things. I'll be good, I promise. What, what do you mean? I'm, I'm a vamp. There's no vampire. What are you talking about? Oh, these, these old, I cut myself shaving this morning. Meanwhile, Blair comes to Maggie's cottage. And of course, he comes there to commiserate with Maggie at the loss of Joe and maybe to, you know, well, since Joe's dead, why not marry me? Um, but he's shocked to learn that Joe is still alive. And he's like, I don't know what he's thinking. He's probably like, Angelique. But we cut back to Barnabas with Willie. And Willie's all like, you know, Barnabas, we're friends. You know, you know that. We're, never, we're just trying to do this for your own good. And Barnabas is like, I know we're friends. And I know you're trying to do this for my own good. But let me just help you out here. And he smashes the bottle over Willie's head and escapes the cell through the secret door that Maggie discovered way back when, when she was the prisoner of Barnabas. And Julia comes downstairs to discover the unconscious Willie. But Barnabas has, <laughs> has closed the door. So uh, so she doesn't know where Barnabas has gone. Meanwhile, Jeff wants to rush. I suddenly decided, because of Eve's uh, inter- interfering, Jeff wants to rush his and Vicky's wedding, despite her doubts. And and then uh, when, when Jeff goes to leave, he discovers Eve is outside of Collinwood. It's in the garden by the fountain. And she cannot believe that he doesn't remember her. And she kisses him. And at that moment, they are seen by an outraged Roger. And Eve runs away, and Roger goes into the house to tell Vicky what he saw. But I guess he realizes as he's speaking to her that she really does love Jeff. And he decides to give Jeff a second chance. And he kind of lamely, he changes his mind and kind of lamely makes some sort of terrible excuse of what he was meant to say. And then, uh, and then while Jeff and Vicky are talking of their upcoming nuptials, Eve stares at them through a window like a crazy person. <laughs> it's pretty good. That sounds good. That sounds like it's fun to do. Yeah, yeah. Just well, that actress is that actress is just having a riot in that in that role. Yeah, like it's just a it's a great role. Yeah, it's just a great. She's having a good time. Um, then Roger has a has a nightmare of Vicky's wedding, so it's like you know it's a dream sequence because they've smeared Vaseline around the camera lens, so it's all kind of obscured on the edges, and and then uh, they you know he's he's giving her away. They're coming down the stairs, and the the organ is playing you know the bride, bridal uh, march, and then and then when Vicky lifts up her veil, it reveals. A skeleton. Bum, bum, bum. And he wakes up and he says, if Vicky marries, she will die. So Roger warns Vicky. By the way, at this point in the show, I just want to point out that Vicky is becoming noticeably pregnant. Okay. So she's still wearing the same sort of dresses, but you can see there's a bit of a baby bump starting. Roger warns Vicky about his dream. And she she rejects his advice, of course, because who's going to listen to someone tell, I had a nightmare that your marriage is not going to work out. (laughs) screw you so uh she rejects that his his advice and meanwhile angelique has barnabas locked up in what is later described as a hut it's hard to tell what it is it's like a it looks like it could have it's like the basement of a house that collapsed it's hard to tell exactly what it is but apparently it's a hut and she wants to transform him into a vampire so they can go away together and barnabas is like i don't think you know what vampires are (laughs) we will no longer have affection for each other we'll just be two creatures of the night killing people but okay if that's your dream weirdo uh so yeah she professes her love for barnabas but she must leave as dawn approaches weak as he is barnabas manages to escape from the room where angelique trapped him by opening the door it's pretty simple pretty simple escape plan because he does open the door and he's like ah it's sunny out here ah but it's uh it's fine then he's calling to vicky He's like, help me, Vicky, help me. And for some reason, this show, despite the fact that these characters have never connected at any kind of level other than, 
Licky, Licky, Vicky, liking his his antiquarian uh, nature. You know, they've never had like a romantic element to them or anything. It's just, it's just sort of weird. But she can sort of psychically hear him. She can hear somehow sense that Barnabas is in peril, and she leaves Collinwood to find him, where she finds him in the woods. But he tells her she's too late. And the reason I wrote oh. that down was because we know that's the end of that episode. Ba ba ba. But then the next episode, he regains consciousness <laughs> and asks Vicky to hide him. So, where does she hide him? In the west wing of Collinwood, that super popular superhighway of a place, of the desolate wing that no one ever uses except for everyone in Collinwood. So, so they're there. Meanwhile, Joe is in the hospital and uh, Julia visits and she tells Joe about Tom Jennings. But Joe won't slash can't tell her who the vampire is because he's her blood slave. I love that term. Julia reveals her suspicions about Nicholas Blair. And once again, Joe can't say anything, but he can hint enough around the edges to confirm Julia's suspicions. So she goes to Blair's house. And this is why we know that Julia is like a rock star, because she just goes to the warlock's house and tells him what she knows. She, t- she tells him, I know that you were behind the experiment. I know that you're the reason why Eve is the way she is and that you, and that you, uh, you know, wanted to sabotage the experiment for, in your own interests. And I also know that you had Barnabas attacked by Angelique. And he's like, he's like, you don't know anything. He's just like, you know, plays, plays the denial card. But she points out to him that Adam and Barnabas are connected and one will die if the other dies. And so his plans, all his careful plans are going to come to nothing if she allows Angelique to kill Barnabas, to turn Barnabas into a vampire, and tells him that he has no control over Angelique. And he's all, you don't know what you're talking about, blah, blah, blah. And he basically kicks her out. But then Blair immediately calls Angelique, and he threatens her, and tells her to forget her plans for Barnabas. But then he goes, and I'm going to Maggie Evans. <laughs> so he just leaves her, and uh, and so then leaves her on her own to do whatever she wants, I guess. So then... Uh, Julia has hidden herself out in the woods by Blair's house to spy on the house. And so to her horror and surprise, she sees Angelique leave Blair's house and she says, it's Angelique. So Julia sneaks into Blair's house, but is discovered by a weakened Adam, who of course is suffering because, uh, because Barnabas is suffering, but Adam convinces her that Barnabas is not there. Meanwhile, Barnabas has Vicky bring him a cross, which he just sort of, sort of hugs to his chest. And says, that's all I need. But Angelique uses Blair's magic mirror to spy on Barnabas to see where he is. But she is repulsed by the sight of the cross. So she convinces Adam to go and take the cross from Ben. Oh, sorry, not from Ben, from Barnabas. When Vicky leaves, Barnabas alone, Adam sneaks in and snatches the cross from Barnabas, who tries to, like, get out of his bed to take it back, but just falls to the ground. And she, uh, so basically she's, She's, he's put Barnabas back under the control of Angelique, and Angelique calls Barnabas to her. And sort of amusingly, Adam insists on giving the cross to, to Angelique, who's like, I don't want it! I'm a vampire! She can't say that, of course. <laughs> but Barnabas and Angelique meet in the woods, and Angelique says she's not afraid of Blair. His love for Maggie Evans is turning him into a mortal man, she says with disgust. Barnabas paints a grim portrait, or grim picture of their life together as vampires, but he is on the verge of death, uh, and Angelique is going to go through these plans no matter what. So, uh, But he is saved again by the encroaching dawn. There's the sound of a rooster once again. So 
Blair then discovers a dying Adam on the floor of his house, while Julie and Willie search the woods for Barnabas. Blair turns to use his magic mirror to find Barnabas, but the mirror is gone. Julia returns to Blair's and says, it's time we are honest with each other, meaning it's time we uh, put all our cards on the table. But Blair is unwilling to do that. He will not be honest. But she has brought a mallet and a stake, and she demands to be taken to Angelique's coffin. But Blair says, I don't know. Coffin? What are you talking about? Why would why would I have a coffin in my house? What? Who is this Angelique you're talking about? I don't even know what you're, you're on about. But Julia gives Adam some injections to help him. And then Willie finds Barnabas in the woods. And uh, so Julia takes steps to save Barnabas. She has him sent to Windcliff Sanitarium, so far away from Angelique's control. And Blair takes the mallet and stake left by Julia to Angelique's coffin. But the coffin is empty. And that's where we'll stop for this episode of Dork Shadows. Nice, nice, nice. Well done. So we ended We ended on episode 621. All right. So if you're following nice along, if you're watching on Tubi, or you have a DVD set. Yes, the 131 disc set of uh, Dark Shadows. The $571 set of dark or seven seventy six dollars something like that which sounds like a lot but it's actually it's actually less than ten dollars a disc so which is pretty reasonable no, honestly you can't not afford it well you know like i i think it's silly to i mean it's obviously like for maniacs to buy at this point mm-hmm. like you know but but that's our audience listen dave i know you're gonna do a pitch for it right now and i gotta go <laughs> take a quick bathroom break so uh do do a pitch for the dark shadows dvd package <laughs> okay <laughs> you'll be right back i was gonna say that you know, it sounds like a lot, like 131 discs is insane. Like you would, you think to yourself, why wouldn't you just package it into seasons like or a year or whatever? And, and you buy it in, in smaller amounts. But the thing is, is that the audience for dark shadows, they're maniacs. So they just want the whole thing at once. Like they don't care that it's costing them $576. They just want that whole show to own and watch and enjoy because it has some sort of nostalgic value for them. Like, I don't think this is a sort of show that you can watch as like my age at 104 and enjoy the same way as someone who watched it as a teenager, you know, and I've mentioned the blog, um, uh, dark, uh, dark shadows every day, I think it's called where he like goes up through an episode a day, which I quite enjoy reading because it gives me some background things like the fact that Jacqueline Smith was married to the actor who played Jeff Clark. And, but I also enjoy the fact that, um, he was a gay teenager, you know, who was sort of like coming, sort of discovering who he was, but very lonely because he lived in this small town and, you know, he had an older brother who was having a lot of problems. So he's kind of, he was kind of like neglected by his parents who were dealing with a lot of issues with his brother. And so he discovered this show and the show had great, was a great comfort for him, you know, because it's, it appealed to him. It's about people who are outsiders. And, you know, and so, and so that's what, you know, kind of caught his, his heart, I guess, and what makes him love this show so much. And I know that he owns the set because he references the the uh, supplemental material on it. So uh, yeah, that's that's totally what it's for. Now I am not personally going to buy this the the set of Dark Shadows. But you would accept it if someone bought it for you. I I would not. I don't want anyone to buy it for me because I just think it's it's crazy. Like it's who, crazy. It's who crazy. wants who wants to even store that ginormous a ginormous crypt box in your by your television set? Like that's just nuts. So yeah, no, no, it's uh. Don't, don't, uh, yeah, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's on Tubi. Again, uh, Dave's gift, if you want to give Dave a gift, shoebox full of 20s. Although we're paying the price for Tubi becoming more popular, which is more ads. Oh. 
There you go. Right. There but, you go. But still, you can sometimes get through a, a Dark Shadows without an episode of Dark Shadows without a commercial break. But usually now there's commercials and they're usually more than just one. Before it was just one. Like DoorDash was a popular one. Oh. That Posh. What's it called? Posh Mart or something like that? Posh Mart? It's funny. When you said that, I thought you said Jordash. I know you said DoorDash. <laughs> said DoorDash. But I thought for a second, Jordash jeans? Yeah, Jordash jeans. Like, are, they, are, they, are they showing like old ads as well? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's By the a, way, I do think classic, like when they, something like me, me TV, I think they're fools yeah. to not run ads for products that had ads in the 70s with the ads from the 70s. Like run an old ad for 7up from the 70s. <laughs> You'll still want a 7up. Yeah. You can't get it from the 70s. Yeah, but if it still exists, go get it. Yeah, the Uncola. Let's watch yeah, those ads. Yeah, yeah. Ha, 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 ha. yeah exactly. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to turn to the mailbag. Yeah. If, if that's uh, appropriate. Sure. Uh, last week we asked a couple of questions. Here's the questions we asked. Uh, when you were a kid, what was your late night treat show? What would you like to watch at night? And uh, who was an underrated performer on Saturday Night Live? Dave, using the controversial uh, not putting uh, night capitalized in that. You know what? Because he doesn't think it should. And that's- I, oh, I didn't? That's just a, that was no. just a, sorry, that was just no. a, uh, that's called a mistake. Uh, well, we've got a Department of Corrections for that uh, <laughs> very reason. So check in on that later on. Yes. So first, a letter comes from Joe Boylan, who writes... Uh, Conan O'Brien had good Tonight Show ratings. That's what I said. Uh, I, I think Letterman beat him badly uh, constantly, which is why NBC brought Leno back. Uh, question of the week response. Late night with David Letterman. That was his late night treat. And sub-question of the Me week. Uh, Norm MacDonald. Ah, okay, great. For Sunday Night Live. On Saturday Night Live. Uh, what, did, to, what, did, what, did, what, what was the question again? What was your an underrated? Underrated, yes. Do you think Norm MacDonald was underrated on Sunday Night Live? Well, so underrated that they fired him. That's pretty underrated. They should have kept him. Did they fire him? Oh, yeah. Oh, because because the uh, sports people didn't like his making fun of OJ? Yeah, OJ jokes, yeah. <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah, dumb. I think you're underrated if you get yeah. fired because the sports department or whatever doesn't yeah, fire yeah. whoever the higher Dick, Dick Ebersol. That's who Dick, it was. But he, he, former, Dick, former, Dick, uh, he took over the, the production of, of Saturday Night Live after, after Lauren Michaels left. After the second second or third season or whatever that was, when they went to the... He was the producer of Senate Life. Ah, very good. Uh, I, resp- I responded uh, saying, and again, this is just my light research, that uh, Conan beat Letterman for the first eight months. Uh, then they went back and forth, uh, and then with Conan always getting the younger uh, demographic, which was more important to the advertisers... Uh, his ratings were uh, also uh, larger than Leno's when he started out as the host of The Tonight Show. Uh, then Leno got his new show at 10. Uh, terrible ratings, which then, like Domino's, knocked down the ratings of everything after that. So that's uh, like Conan. And, um, and Joe responds, hmm. Uh, <laughs> I admire your skepticism, Joe. Uh, I know Leno's 10, per, 10 p.m. show was a sinkhole for NBC, but I was under the impression Conan was struggling overall and that Letterman was actually beating him which is why NBC went back to Leno. One would think if Conan was crushing it ratings-wise, NBC would just have canceled Leno's 10 p.m. show and let him walk. But I could be wrong. It was a decade ago. And uh, how things look uh, shook out, maybe influencing my memory of things. Yeah, longer than 10 years ago, because Conan just had his last TBS show last night. It was definitely more than 10 years he's been on TBS. Uh, Oh, he had his last show? Yeah, on TBS, he's moving to HBO Max. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah. 
You are 100% correct, though. I like hearing that. That Leno <laughs> should have been gracious enough to have stepped away completely in 2009 and done a massive stand-up tour as the ultimate victory lap because stand-up Leno greater than Tonight Show Leno. It's uh, most I've discussed late-night TV since 1996. <laughs> well, welcome back to the discussion group. Um, Louise writes, Watching Johnny Carson on The Tonight Show was my late-night treat. It was 90 minutes then, so I'd go to bed before the end of the show on school nights, but I'd catch the monologue and desk bits, maybe a guest or two. And I'd like to nominate A.D. Bryant as an underrated Saturday Night Live cast member. Although she's been nominated for Emmys for her work on the show, she doesn't have as high a profile as the other recent female SNLers like Leslie Jones or Kate McKinnon or uh, Kristen Wiig. She throws herself into her characters with a lot of commitment and also looks like she's having fun. Her Ted Cruz is hilarious. I haven't seen her series Shrill, which she co-created, but I will check it out. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, it was, uh, it's still difficult for a plus-size actress to cast in leading roles, but hopefully she can follow in the footsteps of performers like Rebel Wilson and Melissa McCarthy. And then our friend Regis. Is it pronounced Regis? Yep. Very good. Regis writes, and Regis has not written for a while. Yeah. And Regis writes a good long letter. So let me just buckle up, take a little glass of water here. Mm, ready to go. Oh, my God. This is long. <laughs> I'm going to be straight with you guys. Some of it I don't understand, and that's absolutely fine. So I'm going to read it verbatim, and I appreciate your letter, Regis. Thank you for it. Here we go. Hi, guys. What about YouTube and intelligence? Because as we all know, YouTube is dumb. Or is it? As would add Michael from Vsauce. I do not know what that means, but I'd like that you wrote us. <laughs> Vsauce, Vsauce is, a, is a YouTube channel. Fantastic. I sort of a... Uh... I believe it's like kind of a, uh, ag a aggregate show that kind of collects stuff from YouTube and talks about things on YouTube. I am now informed, and I love being informed of new things. Fantastic. <laughs> you are making a lot of references these days about Saturday Night Live, late night talk shows, and other CRT area North America comic stars, which is kind of frustrating to me, as I just recently discovered that Jay Leno was more than a rich car connoisseur, and definitely not the father of Doug DeMuro. Or is it? Dave? Do you know that reference? I do not know. Very good. Moving on. So what is your take on YouTube comics? Do you follow funny I should know that, though, channels? I? Uh, do you know Ryan George? I do. Uh, you should, as he's Canadian. I said I do. <laughs> he, has, he has comedy sketches about superheroes, and he's got blue eyes. Hey, he's from Montreal. I'm from Montreal. He's got blue eyes. I've got blue eyes. Do I do sketches about superheroes? I do. So does he. Is he more successful than me? Much. Uh, he does a, a series, his most famous series would be Pitch Meeting, uh, where he's uh, pitching a movie to himself. Uh, and uh, it's very, very good, very slick. Uh, sometimes I think his lighting is a little too hot, and so the green screen bounces off his face. So while he's uh, pitching, uh, he looks a little green. That's the only criticism I have of him. But I, <laughs> I like his work quite a bit. Quite a bit? Quite a bit. Uh, his comedy shit, his comedy shtick is uh, pretty basic, or rather simplistic, but quite efficient. He's talking to himself, or to be precise, to another self, which is a good sign of intelligence, isn't it? On Screen Rant Channel, uh, making his imaginary pitch meeting uh, for all the movies we love, or at least know, and sometimes even hate. Yeah, sometimes even more fun when you don't like the movie. The picture is dumb, the producer too, and dark, they're very dark. And, and maybe the resulting motion picture will follow the same route. Why? Because... <laughs> But maybe humor, out of you, that's right, good, on YouTube, is a bit regressive, appealing to your inner child, with repetitiveness to your adult status. By being slightly different each time and making fun of the things your inner child loves, 
say, blockbuster superheroes, per, uh, prefer, preferably pushing on the nostalgia. For the channel base of funny s things, the algorithm tends to push them on the repetitive side. Mm. And you've got other channels where humor is the icing on the cake, like This Old Tony, a late-night show, Captain Delusion, the one who brings down... Oh, very good. Thank you very much. Captain Disillusion, uh, the one who brings... Actually, I read ahead. Uh, the <laughs> one who brings down all our YouTube illusions. Or the Project Binky from Bad Obsession Motorsport. Uh, the Ian and David of Mechanics, <laughs> uh, whom video generic is a parody of the police squad. One at the end, the not-so-frozen-frame credits background trick. Oh, I yeah. like that trick. That's a very good trick. Not to mention the production is Angry Rabbit. And they are trying to put a Celica GT4 all-wheel drivetrain into a Mini Cooper. So funny, isn't it? <laughs> well, it is a funny. It is a funny idea to take a, a you know, a drivetrain from a much larger car and put it into a small car. That's that's fun. Uh, like always, can't help digressing so much about the intelligence. First of all, what is intelligence? I will give us. Well, it's a TV series right now, starring one of the guys from uh, Friends. Uh, I will give a simple definition that we can all agree upon, which is not being a dum-dum. <laughs> it's quite a thing these days, it seems. Everything is connected. The humor. Humor, spelled without a U. The LOL thing. SNL. Electric cars. Men on a mission from God. Good music. The other rumpus. Whatever it means. Podcast. You, me, the listeners, them, everybody, everybody. It began a long time ago with me trying not to be a geek creating my own business, losing it, and ending, uh, making a burnout after too many years of therapy and with the nagging feeling of always being a little off. And finally, me asking myself, why? And I maybe found an answer. Not the, but a, which may lead to some explanations for all this mess. Boy, that's a big setup. Let's see where it goes. <laughs> and it's like the coronavirus. Uh, you can be tested, and it hurts your brain a little bit in the process, too. It's in French, the nuance, or the giftedness in English. And why is this all connected? Because our savior, Elon I, <laughs> has made an introductory speech on Saturday Night Live, where he declared that he has uh, Asperger syndrome, and that he was the first one to declare it publicly on SNL. Another person on, on SNL who has Asperger's uh, and is public about it, but didn't say it on the air, so he is technically right, is Dan Aykroyd. Huh. Firstly, gifted, yes, uh, but a bit too uh, too on the liar and manipulative side of an Asperger. I think for for an Asperger, for an Asperger, uh, I think uh, Model S plaid plus magically not happening. Las Vegas absurd boring tunnel <laughs> being the founder of PayPal or Tesla. We should put the, put those in quotation marks, particularly for Tesla, where he wasn't actually the founder. He just bought bought the title. Oh, there we go. Secondly, Reddit immediately answered back. That the first real, oh, here we go. You're going to tell me what I just told you. I apologize for this. Uh, that the first real Asperger on SNL was Dan Aykroyd, which for me, uh, a way more sympathetic role model. Yeah, but he never said that on the air, but he has talked about it in interviews. So, yes. I but to be fair, on, I mean, to be fair on the show, Saturday Night Live, I mean, Asperger's syndrome probably wasn't even a diagnosed idea at that point. So, yes, he has come back on the show other times. Oh, okay, yes. okay. Yeah, so. I, sorry to interrupt. Well, here's it. Well, actually, what Elon said technically was, I'm the first host with Asperger's. Uh, okay. Okay. And Dan Aykroyd has hosted, so technically not true, mm. but, but yes, he is the first uh, openly uh, 
person who's open about it. Yeah. I mentioned on the other podcast forum. Hey, Dave, <laughs> what's the other podcast you do? That would be Stinky Dragon Listening Party. The, what's that about? The best music podcast on the interweb. It's, uh, yeah. it's a little podcast I do with my daughter, Mary, where we sit and discuss uh, mixtapes that I, I made a long time ago. And we talk about music and we listen to songs and we make we crack jokes and her dad makes painful dad jokes and it's Ron style. yeah Ron Sexton style and then and it's a lot of fun and we're recording a new show this weekend actually looking forward to it it's our final mixtape everyone oh wow holy cow so if you want to if you want to get on that train it's heading into the final station so you know I don't know you can jump on now but you know it's, yeah. it'll be there for a long time you can always start at the beginning and, and work your way back through it it's there it's there for everyone and that is available wherever you find this podcast. It's available wherever good shoes are sold. Uh, to go back to the beginning of this sentence, I mentioned on the other podcast forum, now you know it, my addiction for the Blues Brothers uh, movie and music. And knowing that at least one, uh, but I think both, of these uh, sociopathic characters has this kind of condition in reality and in the movie, it connected some dots. To be clear, the gifted and the Asperger are not the same thing. The Asperger Autistic Syndrome is a medical condition. The giftedness is more of a particular brain wiring. <laughs> but they have some similarities like hypersensitivity, sensitive uh, senses and moral, and moral uh, capacities of pushing their own interests very far on the side of obsession. And of course, some difficulties with sociability, a lot more for the Aspergers. The gifted tend to connect things, a shitload of things, and therefore have a developed sense of humor uh, quite uh, good play, uh, good on wordplay and nonsense. They score both uh, well to very, very well at IQ tests, not on those summer magazines uh, or internet, but international ones. All the more interesting uh, thing, intelligent, uh, intelligent thing, yeah. is to be taken with a grain of salt. See Elon, it is a good thing that he... Is it, a, is it a good thing? Is it a good thing? Sorry. There you go. Just give me like three seconds to correct myself. <laughs> sorry, sorry. No, I understand what you're doing. I appreciate it. Um, see, Elon, is it a good thing that he's more intelligent or Steve Jobs to take two modern semi-gods? Uh, sometimes that it's not always making a good person on a personal and social level and not having uh, 130 on a test doesn't make you dumb. Oh, and yes, I passed the test some months ago. Didn't change my life, but helped me uh, to explain some difficulties. Firstly, at school, then with authority in general, a somewhat erratic social life based on a love-hate relationship with humanity. It put a reason on why my brain seems to never stop and why I'm doing gazillion things and ending uh, having the feeling of having done nothing. And uh, by the way, all that seems very familiar to me. Mm -hmm. uh, you're not alone at that. And listening to you guys and the messages of other listeners I think I saw some sort of a pattern. Mm -hmm. Listening to Sneaky Dragon, life seems to go back to a more logical and peaceful way. All what you say seems to make sense, nearly. <laughs> and I love uh, what? learning about obscure soap operas that I shouldn't bother to care about uh, in other ways. And now I'm waiting for it each week or learning about the quirks and features of a Canadian stand-up scene is cool, too. Or learning about your weird, weird food products. <laughs> How dare you, sir? Uh, not to mention the chickens, which are part of our weird, weird food products. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and as I mentioned uh, in another already too long post, we have nearly the same culture. Marx Brothers, Tintin, John Deere things, TV shows <laughs> and movies, music, takes on reality, humor across the ocean. Okay, being Canadian makes you kind of European. 
that's kind of true, uh, regarding your neighbors. But nonetheless, man, we love to hate Americans, but hate loving, love loving, and hate hating them at the same time. <laughs> that sounds like a song. Uh, you are both uh, kind and thoughtful, not in the same way. I like the slightly worried calmness of David and the ironic man, but careful ways of Ian. Uh, but uh, still both ready to bite if needed, like Sneaky Dragon. Ah, ah, you found out what the show's title means. Well done. You were the first one. And now, Charlie, you have won the factory. It's all yours. Take this glass elevator and podcast away. That's right. Yeah. If you don't, and if you don't like dum-dums, which, uh, even if I'm completely wrong, still makes you properly intelligent. And he said, and you don't like dum-dums. And you don't like dum-dums. I don't mind it. Yeah. Um, so am I delusional or all this ranting? Does it make a little sense to you? Yes. Yes, it does. By the way, did you hear the other podcast, The <laughs> Listening Party? Normally, I don't do politics. May end soon? So young. That's a pity. I still can't believe it. Do you? The first I'm hearing about it. <laughs> I don't like it. Um, I'm comforting myself with Mannequin on the Moon cartoons, which are very, very good. Oh, Thank that's you nice. so much. If you want to listen, to, uh, if you want to read uh, some of those cartoons, they're at gocomics.com on the internet. Uh, love you. Uh, I love you too. Uh, yes, it was kind of showy and cumbersome way to say something so simple. I wish I knew what simple means. Stay frosty. <laughs> Thank you so much. That Thank was you. a heck of a letter and much, much appreciated on many, many levels. Yeah, that's very good. Thank you for that. Thank you. I can, uh, I can say with all honesty that I was um, diagnosed. I diagnosed, I don't know if that's the right word, but but tested as gifted when I was in junior high school. Because her mom was so concerned with why I did so poorly in school. So she thought I must have some problem. And so I did a test and they said, your son has no problems. He's this very, very gifted. And then that was left to lie there. So in fact, I was never told at the time that was what, it was much later that my mom said, oh, you know, you were tested as gifted. <laughs> this was when, I, after I had Mary and you know, we were living in Aldergrove and I, and Lisa was starting up um, a gifted program at the high school she was teaching at with another teacher. Because she felt like it was a neglected, a neglected part of of uh, at that time, you know, there's, there wasn't a lot of gifted programs for kids. So you know, gifted kids tend to fall outside of the, you know, you know what I mean. Like there's there's programs for ADHD and there's programs for different other different problems that children have in learning. But you know, people kind of forget about the kids that seem like they've got it all together because they're very smart and can learn and learn very quickly. And so that seems like absolutely ideal. But the the problem that makes it what makes it so difficult is that it's then so boring for gifted kids because they're, you know, you've finished, you're done. So let's move on. And the teacher's like, no, no, we still have to do this over and over again. So everyone else understands. And you're like, Oh, come on. Can I take the elastic off my book? No. thanks. <laughs> so yeah, it was just weird. Like I just went through all these tests and then I never heard anything about it. It wasn't until much later when Lisa was starting this program up with, another, with at the school. And I mentioned that to my mom and she's like, Oh, you tested as gifted when you were in junior high school. Don't you remember all those tests that you took? I'm like, thank you for telling me. Would have been helpful to know why I was like the way I was. You know, because you, you just want to be like everyone else when you're growing up. Sure. You know, you're in high school. You want to fit in with all these other people. This massive humanity. You're like, here I am. I'm like you guys. And they're like, nope, you are not. We're going to pointedly make this clear to you throughout your life that you are not like us. And you're like, but I am, I think. And yeah, there's my mom with the, with the answer. I just want, why tell him? I David already thinks he's so smart. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Sorry. Uh, it's life. 
Yeah. You know what? I didn't do that to my children. So there you go. That's that's what counts. <laughs> well, I think you're a gifted podcaster. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, our friend Edward Dragansky writes, Ed. Uh, I've been a night owl for life, so it's no surprise that I was pushing the late hours uh, a little at a time growing up. Me too. Uh, each <laughs> night had its share of late night fare, but I had to work steadily over the years. Weeknights or school nights saw me in bed uh, 10.30 right after a nightly rerun of All in the Family. Sunday nights was an exception. If ABC was showing a 007 movie and it ran late, I was allowed to watch it to the end, but not Monty Python, which was also on late on uh, Sunday nights. That was that, that was the first place in America that it was shown. Oh, is that right? In in Texas, yeah. The but I think in Dallas, the the PBS station there was the first TV station in the United States. I shouldn't have said North America because it was shown in Canada mm-hmm. before. Uh, it was it was shown you know concurrently with it running in England, but uh, T- Dallas was the first place in in, in America to show the. Uh, the TV show Monty Python. Hey, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was also on late on Sunday nights. Eventually, I was allowed to stay up uh, until midnight, so I took in Johnny Carson if anyone interesting was on, and I usually watched it with my folks. It was about uh, the time Letterman started on NBC, so I was allowed to stay up as late as I wanted and be accountable for my amount of sleep. So Dave became a nightly ritual. <laughs> I was enthall- enthralled by his show and the offbeat comedy. Uh, I did follow his show over to CBS, but you're right. It wasn't the same. Kind of like they castrated his creativity or something. Uh, Fridays used to do a sketch comedy show after Letterman called Fridays. Uh, that's right. Larry David was on that one. Uh, and uh, So Michael uh, Richards as well. Michael Richards, that's right. And uh, had that uh, Andy Kaufman episode. Oh, Ooh, that Andy uh, Kaufman episode. Three, three episodes. Oh, my gosh. Because they, they stretched it out, right? Because they had their fight. Yep. Then they had his him coming on the show to make an apology, where he was all like unshaven and unkempt, <laughs> and and you know talked about like how it had ruined his career and he was really sorry and blah blah blah. And then they had the third appearance where he came on with his wife, and they and he had converted to Christianity to evangel, <laughs> and they sang a gospel song together, and that was the capper for the whole bit. It was brilliant, so good. Uh, so I, I watched it then when it was on, and on Saturdays. I watched Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live uh, when it was popular uh, with everyone. I grew up with so many seasons of SNL, it's difficult to say which one had the most impact on me. Lastly, the greatest late night show of all time, the crown jewel of late night, came on after SNL, and I rarely missed it. It was the only show I recorded in its entirety. SCTV was on the air. Oh, okay. SCTV was a show, yes, indeed. Very popular among all my friends who were hopelessly hooked on Melonville and its zany cast. I hated that I had to wait an, wait an entire week to see it again. <laughs> now, uh, Joe mentioned Norm MacDonald above, so I'll have to decide on someone else for my underrated SNL pick. I pitched this question to my fellow art directors today, and we all agreed Norm was unique and funny in his own way. Then we watched him on YouTube during lunch. I still lose it when he does his Burt Reynolds, Turd Ferguson, appearances on Celebrity Jeopardy, <laughs> my favorite sketch. I really enjoyed Phil Hartman on SNL, but I'm not sure he was underrated. He was terrific at impressions, and my favorite character uh, characters he, provide, he portrayed were the anal retentive chef. That was really great. Um, <laughs> Hartman's death truly devastated me. Me too. Mm. I believe he was great uh, at just about everything on that show, and he didn't uh, seem to let fame overwhelm him like he did with many other with, like he did with many other SNL actors. The more I watched him, the more I loved him on SNL. He was terrific. 
And did you know, of course you do, but did you know he was one of the co-writers on Pee-wee's Big Adventure? Because he uh, was one of the co-writers on the original live Pee-wee show. So, yeah. He Just was, amazing. Uh, he was, and he was also- Captain, I want to say Captain Bill. On, uh, on, on many episodes of that. And don't forget, this is to me the craziest part, that he also designed record covers. like yes. album for, And he designed the cover for Celia Dan's album Asia, which is a great cover. It's amazing. He was great. Yeah, just a, just a fantastic person. And his, yeah, his death was such a like an insane waste of life. Like, just a tragedy. Yeah. Like, just, you know, just such a waste. Such a waste. Let's and, say this. Uh, boo cocaine. Yes. That's, finally, let's say it. Yeah. Boo, Boo cocaine. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Joe, Joe Boylan uh, replies, Norm's Jeopardy skips. skips. Uh, Jeopardy skits were brilliant. His West Side Story skit is fantastic and criminally overlooked. I overlooked it. Didn't know about it. Just watched it. Loved it. And you see it and you go like, holy shit, what a cast <laughs> in that thing. And it, it, it apparently it was when Robert Downey Jr. was hosting. And uh, it does a great job. Holy cow. Mark McKean's there. I'll have like, to, oh, my gosh. Everyone's in this I'll have thing. to uh, take a look at that. I don't think I know that one either. Oh, it's really good. Yeah, yeah. I'll send you a copy. Um, Phil Hartman may be the greatest cast member ever. That is very, very possible. Yeah. Def- definitely. In, he definitely kind of bridged that, too, because he had characters. But he was also one of those real solid kind of straight guys who could, like, play just those kind of roles that you needed someone to fill in yeah, and do, but do it really well. Yeah, they called him the glue. Kind of like Jason Sudeikis in the in the later sure. years, where he's not like someone who like what a hilarious guy, but he's always like good in whatever role they would give to him. He could always like make that you know, make it a solid part, you know, and kept it kept it light and funny, you know. Agreed. Crystal writes, "I see Crystal." Yeah. Uh, Crystal. Hey, Ian, Dave, and all the sneaksters in podcast land. <laughs> Question of the week: I had a few different late night treats uh, shows growing up. The two earliest shows I can remember staying up late to watch were syndicated episodes of Doctor Who, which came on at 9 p.m., wow, and a few years great. later, SCTV, which came on at 10 p.m. Awesome. I don't remember asking to stay up and watch them, but I remember looking forward to watching them. <laughs> I caught Count Floyd. I thought Count Floyd was the funniest. Here's the weirdest thing about Count Floyd: yep. was that, uh, and I don't know if you know this, Crystal, but he all he was uh, there was also. Uh, Floyd Robertson, who was the newsman, you know, who was uh, with Earl Camembert. Yeah. And he was always getting frustrated and a bit of a drunk. And uh, and in one of the episodes, they mentioned, oh, yeah, he, he also does Count Floyd. So, like, Floyd Robertson was also Count Floyd. The newsman was Count Floyd. Yeah. So he was a newsman being a frustrated horror host. <laughs> Floyd Robertson was named after Lloyd Robertson, who was an anchor uh, on the C- on a Canadian news channel. So yeah, on, CT- your, on CTV, that's right. Yeah, there's your uh, there's your trivia for that. And if you want to see more Count Floyd, and why wouldn't you? Uh, you could see a segment on the totally mental misadventures of Ed Grimley. It was a cartoon show with uh, you know uh, uh, you know Martin Short, but they had live segments in it with uh, with uh, Joe Flaherty doing Count Floyd. Oh, that's great. Yeah, uh, as a teenager, I remember being asked to watch Monty Python's Flying Circus. And are you being served on our local PBS station? Uh, asking, sorry, asking to watch them. Uh, but mostly, on, I was wondering, why did they ask you to watch them? Uh, our local PBS station, but mostly on Friday nights where there wasn't school the next day. As for the sub question, 
I thought Daryl Hammond was pretty funny, and he made a great Al Gore. Uh, I won't say he dropped off the face of the planet after SNL. It's just that I haven't seen most of his television appearances and filmography listed on his Wikipedia page. Looking forward to the next episode, as are we. Thanks, Crystal. Thank and you. I reply to that that Daryl Hammond took over for uh, as the announcer of the show after um, oh Don Pardo, Pardo died. Don Pardo. Yeah, Don Pardo passed away. So he's been doing uh, the announcements off the top since uh, 2014. Also, there is a documentary about him on Netflix called, I think, Cracking Up, and I put a link of that. Yeah, I was going to say that. I thought, I thought he went through some, some uh, drug, and, drug and alcohol, yeah, some, some substance abuse issues after that. They were show. all based on trauma he suffered and repressed when he was a kid. Mm. Apparently, uh, he was a gifted child, and his mother didn't tell him. So <laughs> it just broke him like an egg. Well, it's just not. As it's it, not as you, would, as you would do. Right? You're, you're making fun of that, but it's just it's just sort of frustrating that you're. No, you're right. No, I'm being a dick. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying it was the worst thing in the world. I'm just saying that it's just sort of. No, I'm not being. No, it's just I, kind of I'm weird that your mom wouldn't. Your, your mom wouldn't tell you that. It just sort of seems so weird to me. It's, it's a crappy thing to do. That's right. <laughs> Okay. I think you should withhold important news from her. That's what I, that's, 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 right. that's what I think. I still haven't told her about Eve. Good. Yeah. And then one night, it's going to be all about Eve. <laughs> While you're watching the movie, all about Eve. <sighs> that's a now good here's, here's the thing. We, we, we have to think of questions for next week. Oh, my gosh. And we got to think of them in five minutes because I got to go for a swim. You got to go for a swim. That is exciting that you're going for a swim, by the way. I'm really happy that you're yeah, returning yeah, to the pool. Exciting. I look outside and see this 13 degrees. Can I, um, can I just say so something before you? What's that? I just want to let you know that I am going on Monday for my second vaccine. Oh, wicked. It's funny because Lisa and I both made our appointments at different times and we're five minutes apart at the same place. So we're, we're going to go together on uh, Oh, congratulations. Monday. That's Thanks. great. So I, I hope you've registered because you will hear from them soon then. I have registered. I've gotten uh, many a message from them saying, hey, here's how it's going to go down. Yeah. Uh, but it's still always a little bit confusing. But still, it's like, oh, okay, here we go. Yeah. They send a message and then I, I had – I could choose – like put in a city where I wanted to go to. So I put in Langley and they said there's nowhere, nowhere available that's doing anything. And so then I put in Abbotsford, which is the, the next over municipality. And so that um, – they said, okay, there's one at the Ag Rec Center. And I said, well, I know where that is, so I'll go there. And I, I chose a time of 4.20, blaze it. And uh-huh. and then uh, and then and I told that to Lisa, and she goes, oh, that's funny. I'm at 4.15. And I said, booyah, let's go together. Nice. So, yeah, I'm, real, I'm really happy. So I'm pretty certain that you, – because you, you're about a week after me that you got it done, a week and a bit? Mm, I think it was a little after that. Okay. You- yeah, you're right though. No, it was about a week. It was about a week and a yeah. You're very close. I was April fifteenth, and I think you were soon after that that you guys got yes. it. So, so you will you will be hearing very soon. So that makes me very excited. We'll both be we'll both have our second dose when we get together. Neat. What could be better? So, so yeah. Let's let's think of a question for for everyone out there in in uh, Sneaky Dragon Listener Land. All right. Well, normally we look into what we talked about off the top of the show. Oh, but, man. But uh, what the hell was that? I don't I remember now. I don't remember now. Neither can neither of us remembers because, you know, we're all past 50 <laughs> and we can't possibly remember what the hell we talked about. No, do, so, do we, you also do we divide your brain. Yeah, go ahead, please. I was going to say you also divide your brain in half when we do the show. So True. You're, it's very, very, very you're, true. You're talking but also trying to think ahead. So we talked about uh, – how about um, what – what is a popular, but to you, inappropriate, popular children's uh, 
work? How does that sound? Is that a good question? I'm just thinking. Okay. I'm just I'm thinking gonna, of like I, Tom Sawyer say, and say it out loud one more time. Okay, so I'm just thinking of Tom Sawyer and Wind in the Willows. What is something that is either like it's popular? It seems like people want to promote it for as a children's thing, but it seems like it's too it's too complicated and grown up for children to really get. Does that okay. make sense? Very good. Uh, and here's a, here's a, here's the thing I'd like to uh, ask then. Okay. What is something? Uh, and it doesn't have to be from your childhood, but it's especially good if it's from your childhood. Okay. What is something you remember uh, really enjoying? Like a t- it could be a TV show, could be a book, but whenever you bring it up, no, everyone goes, "What's that?" I've never heard. Of what <laughs> oh, okay, that's about. a good one too. That's great. Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Like when you go, oh man, I love the Great Brain books growing up, and people are like, "What? What are you talking about?" Yeah, <laughs> you know, Danny Dunn, huh? What are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> what is that? Yeah, as I always say, like my uh, my wife. Uh, there's a book that she loved where uh, people lived on the moon and they drank pepper juice and she loved this so much and she brings it up and no one in the world has ever heard of it. (laughs) There's no record of it on the internet. No one's heard of this at all. Uh, And yeah, it drives her bananas. So every year or so we we put that out there going, anyone know what we're talking about? And the answer is no. Hmm. Clearly no. Interesting. All right. Well, if you want to answer these questions, and I'm sure you do because these are burning questions, you can answer in the following ways. Well, we have a website, as you know, called Sneaky Dragon, and each show is posted there. And under that show is space for you to leave your thoughts, sayings, aphorisms, mottos, slogans, and answers to questions like these. So we look forward to hearing from you there. You you can also find us on Twitter. We're at sneaky underscore dragon dot com. Oh, my God. I forgot an email. I'll read that after I do this stuff, though. Because we have an email address. It's sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. A select few of you write to us there, and I get to read those. And so I totally appreciate it. I'm a dummy for not remembering that someone wrote. But you know what? I have a lot of my, my head right now because I lost all my hair. No, I'm just joking. Uh, I don't have anything on my head. That would be the answer to that problem. Anyway, uh, we are on Facebook at Sneaky Dragon, and we have a Patreon page. And one week – I think, you know what we're going to do soon? We're going to start uh, – saying people's names who support us through Patreon, because I would like to recognize those people for their very kind contributions to this ridiculous show. But we're not going to do that today, because instead, I'm going to once again return to my tablet, and I'm going to quickly read an email. I know Ian has to go soon, so I'm going to do this as quickly as I can. Sure. I'm going to quickly put in the code. I'm going to put it in wrong, and then have to re-enter it, because I did it wrong, and then I'm going to uh, drop the tablet on the floor, and then have to start it again, (laughs) because it's turned off. Okay, this is from Brent Tannehill. Brent wrote via email, which, as I said, is sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. And you're always welcome to write to us this way. And Brent wrote to say, The only late-night television that I ever watched was the Steve Allen Show. Mm. Although he had many iterations of late-night TV, the one that I really liked was the one that ran from 1962 to 1964 and was sponsored by Westinghouse. It started at 1115 Man, that's weird that shows weren't started at a time like that. (laughs) It started at 11.15, so it was really hard to watch. Because, yeah, because you're watching another show that ran from 11 to 11.30, that's why. So it was really hard to watch, because it was on so late at night, and I was only about seven years old at the time. He always started each show with some special stunt, the human dartboard, where he was encased in plastic, and people in the audience threw darts at him, or the time... (laughs) He wore an asbestos suit with marshmallows attached, and they used a blowtorch to cook the marshmallows. <laughs> then he wandered through the audience, and they'd pick off the marshmallows and eat them. There were a lot of prank phone calls and impromptu man-on-the-street interviews. I'm told that David Letterman also did stuff like this, but I never saw a show 
so I can't say for sure. And that is from Brent Tannehill. Yes, my favorite one of those was when he wore the Velcro suit. Yeah. And jumped on the trampoline and stuck himself to a uh, big piece of the other the other half of Velcro, I guess, which was pretty cool. But yeah. And also he did a suet suit as well, right? Where he walked into a bird cage, like a big giant uh, cage on the stage that was full of birds, but it didn't really work out very well. They weren't really too interested in him, even though he had suet all over him. Suet? How do you say it? But there you go. Yeah, so yeah. Thank you, Brent, for, for doing something that very few people do, which is writing via email. So I get to read your messages. And with that, let us say to Ian, happy swimming. Stay in your lane, as they say to all swimmers. And uh, we will see you next week. Well, I guess we'll hear you, read you, do something with you next week on Sneaky Dragon. Thank you for listening, everyone. We really appreciate it. And we're looking forward to... Episode 500. Don't forget, if you want, to uh, write to us and uh, and just make it a little special episode. I don't know. Whatever you want to do. I'm not, I'm not picky. Yeah. But we'll hear from you then. Thank you, everyone. Shoebox full of 20s. <laughs> Shoebox full of 20s. Can never go wrong. Mm-hmm.